Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. <clears throat> Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today, I got my brother back from tour next to me, my big brother, uh, Derek Green. Thank you for being here. Hi, Toby. I guess I'm your big brother because I'm like- Sound like you forgot your name for a second. No, yeah. hell no. Uh, 
Derek. I never. I never. Or sometimes say, I, Chappelle. No, I, I never. I never say your full name. I don't know why I called you Big Brother because I'm older than you by a couple. You are. You are. You're 19. You're 1971. I'm 71. And I'm 1970. That's right. Well, welcome back, Derek. Thank you Thank for being you. here. Thanks for having me back. And then my guest today, I've been talking to this guy for a very long time about coming on the pod, and life gets in the way, and I love him and his family, so please welcome to the podcast, do I, uh, Dave Kushner. Do I say David <sighs> or Dave? I say David or Dave? Either one. You prefer Dave or David? I like Dave. Um, Dave. Okay. Because my parents call me David. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Those earphones are working all right? I was just going to turn it down. Can I turn my yeah. volume down yeah, a little? Those two right there, yeah. You have full control over there. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for letting me and, in. And is it, there's only been a couple of people on the podcast who are actually L.A. natives that's been on this podcast. That's true. And this guy's L.A. native. Yes. Born and bred. Yes. Born and bred. Born yes. and raised. Born Third and raised. generation. We're, so uh, where were you born? You born in Hollywood? Where were you born? I was born at uh, Kaiser Permanente. That's the place on, we was talking about, the hospital Max was talking about. Yeah, Sunset. Kaiser. Yeah, okay. Sunset in Vermont. Nice. My parents met at LACC okay. on, on Vermont. My whole history is Vermont. Yeah. Like we <clears throat> we lived across the street from LACC. My parents met at LACC. I was born in Kaiser. I went to Barnsdall Art School, which is right off Vermont. Yeah. And then we lived on first in Vermont. And then I would take the bus on Vermont to go to Fairfax and Bancroft. Fairfax High you went to? Yeah. Very famous school. Mm-hmm. Very so famous, mm-hmm. and, but so many. But so it's many weird to videos. like talk to you and like sitting right across from you, like, looking at me. <laughs> yeah, but so many skate videos here too. That's where those famous stairs are at, right? Is that Hollywood? They're very high? Fa- yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of skate videos go high. on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people that went on to do things in music mm-hmm. and true, arts and very everything. True, very true. They have very the murals true. on the sides. That's the one like pictures of the people on yes. the side. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And did you go to school with Slash? Did he went to school there too? Yes, I did. We went to junior high and high school together and he was one grade ahead of me wow but we hung out and do you have any siblings i do not I, I, only I, child what was the hollywood or what was the uh the mascot for your high school for fairfax yeah that's the a lions. great random question i want to know I, I, I believe it's a lions fairfax lions fairfax lions <laughs> <laughs> um okay. and so how was it growing up? how were you growing up you're so your only child yeah right and uh, how was it going to school? How was it growing up in L.A.? It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fine. You know, it was yeah. like I lived down on first in Vermont. I went to this elementary school called Pilgrim. It was I know over. That. Oh, you know where it was, dude? Is you remember the CNA building with the with the thing in front that I people so. used to skate? Yeah, I do remember that, always, yeah. It went like this and it went like that. It was like. And there would always in Skateboarder magazine and Thrasher, there was always pictures. Okay, kids skating in there. My school is right across the street. Yeah, you went to you were like in all the skate areas. So I went to school there. I don't know. It was fine, you know. Yeah. Regular childhood. My parents got divorced when I was like three. Oh, what my were dad, what their professions? My dad. What did my dad do? I mean, he's a, he's retired. He was a public defender forever. Okay. But, nice. But he, I think then. He was, he taught like sixth grade somewhere in South Central like, okay. and just had weird. Then he worked at the racetrack for nice. like 10 years taking tickets. My grandfather worked there for like 40 years. Wow. So every, so we would go like they would do Hollywood Park, Santa Anita, and every summer they'd go to Del Mar. Mm. So every summer I would go to Del Mar with my dad and my grandparents and hang out and shit. Del Mar so, Skate Park too. Yep. Yeah. Famous. Yeah. I went there when I was a kid. 
You did, yeah. So yeah. you skated, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, I used to go to Marina. And so, uh, how were you in school? Awesome, so good. <laughs> 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 no, you know I was great until <laughs> when I was like in fifth grade. We moved to DC for nice. two years. My parents, uh, my mom got remarried. We moved there. Then my mom got divorced again. So me and my mom moved back wow, to that okay. house on Vermont. And then everything like kind of went downhill when mm. junior high started because. I just, I don't know why. I just started drinking and like and smoking high. weed. Yeah. Walling out. In seventh grade. Damn. And by the time I was in like ninth grade, I think the summer between eighth and ninth is when I was like, there was this, there was this place off of Melrose and like Van Ness. This, it was like a punk rock, uh, hair salon. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was like, uh. That's amazing. I know it was just this. I forget what it's called. Mohawks only. Yeah, and so I went there, and you know, I'm like, oh, I want a punk rock haircut, you know. Oh my God. And they, you know, and I had a tail. Sick. And it was like bleached and like spiky hair, and uh, and that was it. And then I met um, all these dudes from that band, Mad Society, okay. like kid punk band. Yeah. So then those, and they all went to Bancroft where I went. So then okay. we were all friends, and then going into middle school and then so i was all it was all downhill from there how'd you find out about punk rock like what was your exposure to it i don't really know to be honest there was no like defining moment it was yeah, like yeah. i got into like you know i grew up listening to like sabbath and zeppelin and all yeah. those things and then i got into like somehow i got into like devo and b52s and that that's like kind of the the gateway, gateway. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gateway drug into punk rock <laughs> and then you know but then it just got into like when I met those kids, um, Mass Society kids, uh, it was all you know, then it was regular like Circle Jerks, Black Flag because yeah. everyone was playing, you yeah. know, like, yeah, that was when the Starwood was still open and they had shows every Tuesday. And we go see, I was laughing because I saw you the other day at, at Circle Jerks, yeah, and, and it was funny because I remember the first time I saw Circle Jerks at um, at the Starwood. I was like, uh, you know, I had the record already and I was like, oh, they played red tape. And I'm like, oh, I'm going in, you know, and I fucking, I ran in and like got punched right in the eye. And I just like walked around with a cup of ice on my eye all night. Like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess. Was- you know what's crazy about red tape? Like now if I was going to try to go into the pit. Like from the other night, right. red tape. Mm-hmm. By the time I made it to the pit, the song would be over because yeah. it's so fast, <laughs> super fast. And it's right? a big crowd. Like that yeah. was a crazy pit the other night. And you're old, so yeah, it's, it's like crazy. You're old yeah, take slow. Yeah. You'd have to hold Absolutely. the rail when you're going down from the VIP yeah. section. True. Yeah. My wife went in the pit for seven seconds. She, she was crazy. She was in the pit like the whole show I, almost, like with no earplugs. What's incredible <laughs> is they know that like awesome. I got to see them on group sex as well on the East Coast. Right. Was that like '85 or something? Whatever. '845. Mm. Yeah, that was like one of the first out of town bands I ever saw. And Rhode Island was Circle Jerks. But fast forward to 2022, we're seeing seven seconds and Circle Jerks still playing, dude. It's fucking it's amazing. Insane. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and, I mean, that Their experience 60s. is crazy. It's a crazy. I mean, the Hollywood Palladium is such a iconic Legendary place. place. But I, it was my first show there, and I didn't realize. This that was this, Friday? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. I didn't realize the sound was that bad. Oh, yeah. It sucks, dude. <laughs> and, and, and so I was like, nobody told me that. Like, yeah. they're like, oh, no, no, that's just common. Like, I talked to every LA person. Like, oh, yeah, it's always been Even bad. Maybe because where we're standing or we put no, down, no, 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 oh, no, yeah. no, no. I it's so crazy. It's, it's, it's like historically, sound. like the it's, Forum right. and the Palladium, like 
if you're born and raised here, you that's like someday I'm gonna play the Forum yeah, or okay. the Palladium. But they're the like the two, two worst sounding venues. I, in, unbelievable. In LA. Yeah. It's, After it's all terrible. those years, I thought they would. Is it because it's like oh echoing there? I don't. I don't. I don't really know. It's such a huge place. I, I know people have tried to watch it from top, the other yeah. side. From, yeah. It's all bad. The top's better because yes. it's not so fucking loud. Yeah. But, yeah. The drums okay. are like. So I thought it was like, man, room, I, I was like, this is too loud for me. I'm just so old. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like. Then children motorhead. It's like loud, but at least yeah. you can hear it kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like Did you have earplugs on too? No. I that's right. It was in the uh, parking lot. I saw like, Feldy, <laughs> dude. I ran into Feldy <laughs> and he's like, dude, you want earplugs? The first thing he said to me, I'm like, Yes. <laughs> and he like, so had one foam earplug and tear it in half and oh. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many connections here too with Feldy. Obviously your wife Chris was on the podcast. Yeah. Also Joey C. There's so many connections with you. Like it's such a yeah. small world, man. Uh one more historic thing about Palladium is there. There's a scene, famous scene from Blues Brothers, and that's at the yes, Palladium. Yeah, that's right. Pretty amazing. Your wife pointed that out. One of great, one of the greatest mm-hmm. movies. Okay, greatest so movies. so back to Dave. Um, yes. <laughs> so exposure yeah. to punk rock was that band. You're hanging out with those guys. You're skating. You're yes. o- your only child. Bad you're kind of wilding out. What are your goals at that time in school? Like goals. Did you want to do music? Do you think about being, being you a have musician? Goals that when you're know. 15. Would Come you on, to, Toby. Yeah, that's a good no, point. I'm just kidding. That, no, I still don't have <laughs> that, goals. That's a good point. But did you want to play music? When, when did that happen? No. Like, how young were you? I, you know, it's funny. I had no interest in playing music until I was like 14 or 15. I just wanted to be an artist. That's a goal. That's a goal of 14 and 15 to play okay, music. Okay. Yeah. Come okay. on, man. Okay. I no, You know what? Actually, to answer your question, I wanted to be a graphic artist okay. when I was like okay. growing up because all I did was draw and yeah. take art lessons and I did some like summer session at Otis Parsons. Like I was really into drawing and stuff. But then um, when I met those those oh because I had tried to play guitar in at at Fairfax they had like guitar class okay. but you couldn't use a pick you know they're like oh you have to use your fingers and I was like ah, I'm not doing this <laughs> and I tried to learn Stairway to Heaven I couldn't play it was too hard Sick. and I'm like ah oh, fuck it I'm not gonna play guitar yeah so then uh, I was in was a band or acoustic acoustic like oh okay I was gonna and say then I tried no to learn. Uh, and then I started singing actually in wow. punk bands with with those guys from Mad Society because Mad Society had just broken up. So then uh, we played like it's funny. I have this friend of mine, Gabby, and she's like, "Oh, I was at this show. It was Bard's Apollo." Is this Gabby with tattoos? Yeah, yeah, Gabby O'Neill. Yeah, my wife knows. Okay, okay. Yeah, we. So I actually one of the first the first show I ever played in in a band was at this club called Bards Apollo opening for Wasted Youth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And And Joey C was in the band then? He wasn't in the band. Okay, okay. No, he was in later, and then I came in after him. But, um, yeah, that... that, And then the girl in Mad Society, Kathy, actually taught me how to play bar chords. And then that's when, you know, I was like, oh, wait, I can just do this one shape and move it around and play, like, any (laughs) song? She's like, yeah. And, And so that's how I got into playing. Okay, That's and then awesome. I was smoking and drinking a lot, and Jeez. I would take acid and like wow. think, in school. Yeah, no, okay. yeah, I did a couple times <laughs> in school actually. <laughs> so was it just you live with your mom at that time? Yeah, just me. Did and my she mom. know that you're wilding out like that? Was she like I I I think she maybe had some suspicions, but yeah. I remember times where because all so all those guys Matt Society lived uh, right across the street from Okie Dogs. Okay. So we used to hang out there Famous like after spot. shows and do all that. But that was in Hollywood and I lived down on first in Vermont. So I would have to take like two buses home. Mm-hmm. So I would do that. But there was times where 
you know, my mom would be like, you need to come home right now. And I'd come home and I'd be like, I remember one time I was like on acid, just so tripping, dude. Like just sitting in my house, like (laughs) just hold it together. Just hold it together. (laughs) And like try not to look anyone in the eyes and just like, I'm just going to go in my room. Oh, I don't really feel well. Was I she, did all kinds yeah. of dumb shit when was I was a kid. Was she strict about grades and stuff like that in school? Or? Not really because, you know, I don't know. I mean, she was, I mean, maybe because she was single kind of at that point and yeah. in high school and she had started dating this other dude and she was really into the arts. Like she worked at all these, um, um, these, uh, what are they called? Like all these places downtown and in East LA where they work with, um, uh, like East LA artists and cool. and graphic artists and all these places, these nonprofits, you know, yeah. doing um, this one place called Self Help Graphics that's actually still there in East LA, that was awesome. there, and then she ended up working for the National Endowment for the Arts, giving out the grants. So all oh, that's the, cool. you know, so like if you had a whatever a playhouse or a ballet company or whatever, you'd send her these applications. So she was all into that. Yeah. I remember she had this receptionist that was like friends with leaving from fear. Wow. You know, so she was kind of cool that way and she yeah. wasn't too strict. Yeah. And at a certain point I was just, I think she just kind of accepted like who, yeah. I, who I was, Toby. <laughs> she accepted me. Did you make me. it out of school? Did you graduate? Uh, so when I got into playing guitar, I got really obsessive about it. And, you know, I was in 11th grade and I wasn't going like I would literally, I would take the bus to um, my friend Louis's house, who was a bass player in Mass Society. Uh, we would drink, and then we would go to school, or we'd just ditch school. So I was like, and then I remember at one point, someone—it wasn't me, but someone, some friend of ours stole like the, you know, they had these boxes, and you would, if you had like a absence slip, you would stamp it in that oh, yeah, box, yeah, like yeah, a time card yeah, thing. Yeah. And so someone I knew stole that and a bunch of slips. So we would just have all these slips and we would go in and, and, you know, go to class and get them signed. Wow. And then finally, cause we wouldn't go to class or we ditch class or we'd go to canners in the morning and not go to first period. And then by the time we got caught, it was like, well, he has 72 absences in this class, but he has like 20 in this class. And like, oh, it wasn't, man. you know, it was, it, yeah. none of it lined up. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I want to go to music school. I don't want to go to, I'm not going to go to college. You know, I'm a terrible student, whatever. And she was like, all right, if you pass the GED, then you can go to music school. So I went to MI, uh, Musicians Institute, for instead of going to 12th grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it was cheap back then. It was like 3500 bucks or something. Wow. Now I, it's I like you do that. Just leave school and go there. It's cool. Well, if you get the GED, because yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like the equivalent of a high school school diploma diploma. but everyone i knew took it like slash and tracy guns the guy from ellie guns went to our school and the dudes from the chili peppers like everyone that was like the way that everyone got out early wow without getting too shamed by their yeah but everybody did something in music too so it actually worked you know what i mean you guys right thank you toby did you straighten yourself out when you went to that to focus on music we still kind of wiling no I was, <laughs> I was a mess, dude. I just, from that point, it just kind of went downhill steadily yeah. till I was, till I stopped at 23. At 23. Yeah. It was, I was in music school and I, um, 
the first half I was super into it. Yeah. I just fucking, you know, obsessively sat in a room 12 hours a day, go to class, play music, go to class, sit there, little practice am trying to shred, play scales, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean it was it was killer. Yeah. But then and then I just kept drinking more and more. Like I had one friend there and we drank a lot and I remember like I remember going home to my house where I lived with my mom and she came in one day and, and was like waking me up and I had I was face down but I'd thrown up like all over the bed and it was like on the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like then I was just like, ah, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Like that's Jeez. how Hendrix died. Like you know, right. luckily I was yeah. on my stomach. But and then it just got worse. Yeah. You know? So what was what, the first bit? Yeah, we gonna say. No, no, I was gonna say what was like the breaking point. You said like at yeah. twenty three, you're like, okay, it got to a point. So like and what, you what was rock bottom? And, you, and you signed a record deal at twenty years old, correct? Well, so out of music school, I worked at Tower Video. Sick. My friend uh, who I'd grown up with, this guy John O'Brien, he was friends with Patricia Arquette, Woo! who was my fave. Going out with Paul Rossi, who was the singer in Wasted Youth at the time. Did not know that. And somehow they, you know, connected to me and were like, because me and John were roommates. Okay. And he's like, oh, my roommate, you know, they're like, oh, we need a guitar player. So then I, that's how I got in Wasted Youth. Uh, and then. Uh, that's where I met Joey because Joey was playing drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and I got switched to bass because they're like, oh, the old guitar player is coming back. You want to play bass? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. You know, because I was like, <laughs> oh, I can drink more and I only have to concentrate on one note at a time, you know, and I can run around more. And so <laughs> I was into it. And then, uh, and then from there, I, I met Feldy. Yeah. I got in the electric. So yeah, we did a record, Wasted Youth. You did Black Days, right? Yeah, we did a record. Yeah, we didn't really tour. We just played a lot of local shows yeah. and stuff, and um, which was killer. And at the same time, I was playing in this like jam band with uh, called Trulio Disgracious with like all the dudes from Fishbone. Trulio Disgracious. Yeah, it was rad. Fishbone. That's amazing. Uh, Flea would do it sometimes. John Frashani, who was just in the Chili wow. Peppers. Yeah. Uh, this chick, that. Vicky Calhoun. Uh, and Dia Davenport. It was in Brand New Heavies. Oh, wow. It was killer, dude. Yeah. yeah. I love Brand New Heavies. It yeah. was fucking... It was... Dude, it was so Star- rad. Like, that was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Like, we would play... We played shows... Or, like, Billy Bass um, from Parliament played with us sometimes. I met Eddie Hazel... The guy who played, you know, on, on fucking Maggot Brain, the oh, guy who plays guitar, like he played with us once, and um, we'd play all these killer shows. We played, we opened for Public Enemy at USC. Wow. We played with Soundgarden at Club Lingerie. We played with Living Color at That's the awesome. Palladium. You know, like we yeah, played all these awesome. kind of weird shows that were really killer. Yeah. And then, um, but we also we just drank together, everyone. Party, so, yeah. so then I got in the Love Hogs. That was through Feldy. Yeah, well, yeah, Feldy knew my roommate again, John, and then he was trying to get a different guy. This guy, Arik Marshall, okay. he was trying to get him to play guitar. And then you know my roommate's like, "Oh, why don't you get my roommate? You know, he's 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 available." It's <laughs> that's uh, so I tried out, and uh, was he in that band? Or he was producing that band. 
Who, Feldy? Yeah. No, Feldy was a singer in the I, Love I Hawks. I did not know that. Wow, okay. So, and Feldy I met because he came by my apartment once when he was drunk. Okay. Like, that was the one time I met him when he was drinking. And um, so he came by, I got in the band. I tried, no, dude, actually, the story is, so I lived off of Melrose. I'd never heard of the band. I'd kind of heard of them. I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try out. So I walked to the liquor store down on Melrose to get a 40. And I saw Tracy Guns because he lived right around the corner. And I knew him from school. And I was like, yeah, dude. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, I was like, fucking. <laughs> Like Green Acres just waving like, hey, what's it? You know, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm trying out for this band. He's like, oh, Love Hogs. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I was like, okay, cool. And then I just went, uh. So I went and I I didn't have a car and I got my 40 and I drank it. And then the drummer from Love Hogs, this guy Bobby, um, and he has an identical twin brother named Fab. Okay. And Bobby and Fab were coming to pick me up. And so they came, picked me up. They're like, all right, dude, we got to stop at the palace which is now the avalon yeah i remember the palace we gotta stop at the palace and we're gonna see this band and then we'll go to practice i was like okay cool and i hadn't done anything with this band all i did was hear, hear a cassette you know of a couple songs yeah we go to the palace and drink and do blow all night wow and then they dropped me off and then i passed out at home and then i never played and then i was in the band <laughs> like that literally <laughs> that's that's how I got in the band, dude. What band did you go see at the Palace? Do you remember? It might have been Faster Pussycat. Okay. Because they knew, like, the guy they had kicked out of Love Hogs was, his cousin was a guitar player or something. Okay. And, and they just wanted a drink, and they could get in there free and get free drinks. And, wow. I mean, that's how it was, like, back then. You could mm -hmm. go. So that was your audition? Yeah. I passed. <laughs> I passed the okay. fucking blow passed test. Out. <laughs> passed um, out. Passed <laughs> out. How old were you? Are you, like, 20 or something? I was 21, wow. maybe, or 22. Yeah, and like Electric Love Hogs, they did. That yeah. was a pretty big band. I mean. There was one album, right? Yeah, but, yeah. I, yeah, but I think it's. We. we yeah. Was it a video on a song? We were it? on, like I don't know. We were like close. I mean, yeah. at that time, it was like uh, a lot of like, what is it, like glam or stuff like that. Well, Hollywood, like rock, like rock and roll. All well, right. it's funny because when I was telling someone the other day, mm -hmm. like that was an awesome period also because it, when I was in the Love Hogs, we played with like Tool was just starting, mm -hmm. Raging Against the Machine, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Shrinky Dinks, which became uh, Mark McGrath, which became Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray. Uh, Mighty Joe Young, which became STP. Oh, and wow, right. all these bands, we would all play together at like the Coconut Teaser. Yeah. You know, so, and everyone knew each other and everyone would like, and I still like am friendly with, you know, the dudes in Tool and, yeah. and the guys in Rage and all those guys because we all, Came no one together. knew. We would just play these shitty clubs together, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so it was killer for that. Like, it was funny because the Love Hogs started to like kind of get bigger because we were kind of like Faith No More-ish. Yeah. And uh, I remember there's a flyer that um, I think Maynard posted it the other day on Instagram of this show where the Love Hogs, we played San Diego at this place, Soma, and we headlined and Rage and Tool opened for us. Wow. Like on the flyer, it's like our big logo and like underneath it's like Rage Gets Machine and Tool. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So we, you know, but it was killer, dude. We, we got signed 
yeah. uh, to Polygram. We did a record and, and Tommy Lee produced um, part of our record. Okay. And that was really like the kind of the first time we got exposed to like the bigger world of, of, you know, music and, and I, I guess success in a sense, just seeing it through Tommy and like right. actually having a little bit of money, you know, we're yeah. like, Oh, let's, we'll pay ourselves selves like 800 bucks a week, you know, mm. or a month, you know, like that's good back then. Yeah. So, you know, but like Tommy was really great and he kind of took us under his wing and like he was, uh, I think it was with Heather Locklear mm-hmm. and they lived. So we'd go to his house and we'd hang out mm-hmm. with him, those two and wow. uh, him and Nikki six took us to the NAM show and like got us endorsements. Like they Sick. were so cool that way. Dude, that's amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking cool. Was there like tours set up and, and everything? Like, yeah, we did a tour. Like what was the first, we did a tour. And you'd never tour. No. Okay. That's sick. No. And what sucked. Oh, so then I got sober <laughs> and it sucked because I never toured drinking. Ever. You know what I mean? Like that, okay. that was always my wow. dream. Right. Right. That was another goal. It was, <laughs> I'm just going to be so awesome when I, you know, get to be on tour and drink and then just wake Free up at like, night. yeah, wake up at like one in the afternoon and just have someone tell me like where to go. And like, that was really like a kind of mini fantasy of, you know, touring. Wow. <laughs> and then it never happened. But it does, it does. Have, that's just, yeah, and then, uh, so you went sober. What, how, what year was that? Uh, 90. Yeah. I, I was in the band with Feldy. Feldy was in his first year of not drinking. Okay. And I was hitting bottom and That's I right. was really bad. And that was your question. Yeah. 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 yeah I was just talking. Like, what was rock? Yeah, what's yeah, 20 minutes later, I'm going to answer your question. But what is okay. bottom? You'll what see. Is, That's okay. how this, but what is bottom for you? Like bottom what? was, I mean, honestly, like when I drank, it was fucking fun mm-hmm. and awesome doing drugs. Drinking was great. Yeah. And then it wasn't, you know, and then the last year was just like, I would drink every day from the minute I woke up to the minute I passed out. Damn, I worked at Tower life. Video. Yeah. I would I made the signs for the inside of the store. Okay. So I would pull in in the morning, I'd go to Turner's, I'd buy, you know, like a half pint of vodka and a spicy V8 and a cup of ice. I'd go in my room in the basement, pour that, drink that. They had Cisco at Turner's and they it was the only liquor store this side of like pico that sold saint ides when it first came out (laughs) dude it was the only place so like so i got so i had saint ides cisco and i would just drink all day long and then i work yeah all because it nobody knew check it out so (laughs) there was this girl that worked it at tower video and she went on to write that movie empire records because all that stuff that she wrote in the movie happened at the store everyone drank Everyone did drugs from the manager that ran the store down. Every single person, except these two girls that were these two goth chicks that were sober (laughs) that, you know, everyone's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And, but everyone drank like, like in work at work downstairs, like everywhere. It was, it was awesome. Wow. It was killer. And then, uh, you inspired part of that movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, actually, <laughs> dude, we tried. Uh, yeah, never mind. Why, is there a story. character of you in that movie or no? No, okay. I don't, no but there, there's a there's like these guys that like rob the store in real life. It really happened. We tried. Me and my friend, who was a manager, would always drink a lot and try and think like, oh, I wonder if we could like take money from the store, like <laughs> dumb shit like that. You know, like 
it was so dumb like back then because you're making like six bucks an hour yeah. and you know you're punk rock you're like whatever and you're totally. or you're like you have that mentality is mm-hmm. kind of you're just mm-hmm. it's stuck with you you know yeah. I, I didn't have money growing up and you'd be like oh let's order pizza to the back apartment and then we'll steal the pizzas out of the guy's thing or you know you mean dumb shit like that or like get drunk and like i remember putting like a 12 pack you know come in those cardboard things and it had the the cutouts where the grip was and i put it on my head i'm like oh i'm gonna rob the pizza guy and you know people are like dude you're an idiot Meanwhile, you're on the clock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. so that's fucking just crazy. all dumb shit like that all the time but um yeah, so then it was great. I drank too much and but then it got really bad. You know, I was like I just I think the thing was is like you start doing a bunch of shit. Like I think everyone has their own moral compass. Yeah. You know, and it's different for everyone, you know. And for me it was like, you know, I'm not going to cheat on my girlfriend at the time or or steal shit from my mom to buy records or get in a car accident or all these things. But I rob a pizza guy. Yeah, or, or rob a pizza guy when I was sober, but then True. I was doing all those things or yeah. trying to when I was drunk, and then I was just like, you wake up, and then you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm an asshole, and then you drink again, and then you do more shit like that, and then you, it's just like this shame spiral, basically. Isn't isn't the come down off of coke? It's pretty it's pretty heavy and dark. I've seen friends on it like you, the night before is incredible. The next day you just feel like the most depressed. It's like you're so yeah. harsh on yourself. Cocaine it depends, stuff, yeah. you know, like. I remember, I remember one time smoking it and like, I kept, I just remember it was like six in the morning and I was like checking my pulse cause I thought I was gonna have a heart attack Fuck. and I kept like looking and the liquor store wasn't open cause it, they opened at six and I remember checking my pulse. I'm like, I'm gonna have a heart attack. My roommate's asleep uh. and sitting in my living room and dude, I swear to God, Bob Forrest from Thelonious Monster and Norwood from Fishbone knock on my door. It's six in the morning with a six pack of Meisterbrow. I'm like, oh my God, Meister thank Brow. you. Like out of nowhere, dude. Wow. I I was so fucked up. I thought I was imagining it, you know, because you're like, it's six in the morning and you hear yeah. this like, you hear, and I'm like, is that real? savior. Is Bob Forrest the guy that went on to do Celebrity Rehab? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's dude. Amazing. Yeah, man. when he was he was fucked up at the time. Stella, it's Stella, Stella, it's just me. He's at the door. You. Fuck. I was just kidding. Um. Wow, that's <laughs> incredible, man. Yeah. And uh, did you quit cold turkey? Was it super hard? <laughs> no, I I actually I. Fault. Yeah, it's my fault. Sorry, Stella. It was um, a false alarm. Um. No, and then I just. You know, I, I just uh, I just didn't like myself. That's yeah. the bottom line. I was constantly doing stuff that wasn't okay, and I hated myself, and I wanted to, like, unzip my skin and just crawl into a drain pipe and just, wow. you know, be done. Like, I hated myself. And Do you remember the last day you drank or anything like that? Oh, yeah, dude. I was sitting in my living room on my couch trying to drink this Miller Genuine Draft. And <laughs> you know and, that drink, yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. okay, dude. And I couldn't, and I literally, I was like, "This is the only thing in the world that's gonna make me feel okay." Because I had alcohol poisoning, and I was like, oh, you know, geez. really sick. And after like four days, I was like, "Oh, I gotta drink this beer because the only thing in the world that's gonna make me feel okay." Yeah. Yet I couldn't like keep it down because I was so kind of still sick. So I kept trying to drink it, and I like, you know, and then I just was sitting there like. This is my, you know, I'm going to live my rest of my life like this. Like, yeah. But yet I couldn't imagine not drinking for the rest of my life. And I called Feldy and 
was like, dude, I think I might need to, you know, check out the thing you do or whatever, you know? Yeah. And he got so, it was so rad because he was so excited, you know, he's just like, <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, I got you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to come over. Uh, just, uh, I'll take you, I'll take you tomorrow. You know, we'll go. And it's like, I was like, okay. And he's like, uh, okay. So I'm like, what do I do? And he goes, just don't drink tonight. I'm like, I already drank. He's like, just go to sleep. Right. Just go to sleep and fucking wake up tomorrow and I'll take you and we'll go. And that's, that was it. Wow. That's and fucking amazing, man. Yeah. And I haven't drank since. Shout out to Feldy. Shout out to you. That's incredible. Since 1990. Yeah. Wow, man. It's pretty awesome. How old were you then? 23. 23. Cold turkey, that's it. Never again, nothing. No, nothing. Nothing since. Oh, no, no, that's not true. I smoked weed like four days later. And then after like six months, I was like, maybe I should change my date that I quit drinking because because of the weed. I did smoke weed like, wow. <laughs> like after four days or whatever. So, yeah. And then fast forward to now, people, I mean, not to get into the thing, but people call it just a California sober thing that I see people talk about. Like, you don't drink, but some people do edibles or they smoke weed now. Yeah, I heard about it. Maybe this. later on. I, I, like, I don't know if that counts as sober. It's a slippery slope. I, 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 just, I, I, just, I don't say. know what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just hear things. Yeah, I've heard this too. And <laughs> but, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I, I just like, hear things. Things. Him, I hear things. Things. Him, I hear things. things. His main thing was alcohol and like Coke and shit. No, but no, I but then he smoked weed, then he moved his day because he was so serious about it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Back then, like, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But now I think weed. I don't. I don't. I never tried. I'm just saying. That. I hear people say it's, it's helped you. All kinds. Of, I don't fucking know. You, don't you know what's up, your weed guy. Come on. Yeah. Man. I mean, I if you're an if you're an addict, I don't think weed or any anything would would, would really be helpful. I just, yeah. You know, I I, I don't <laughs> see that as being. But like, I heard this term. I like they say helpful. helpful. No, I've heard people say that. You I'm heard like, that term. I'm that like, term. I heard that term. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Do you think if I try and reach that coffee over there with these headphones on that I'm I bring? Derek, Derek, oh, that'd be Derek, awesome. Derek, I'm here for grabbing coffees. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's just something thanks, I heard dude. later on in life. No, but, thanks, you know. man. You know what's funny, dude? But me you and, do nothing. Yeah. No, me and Joey C were having this conversation last week. Okay. We were talking about, he. I forget who he talked to, and he mentioned California Silver, and I was like, ah. Oh. Like, it, you know, it just is like, he goes, he was saying, that's a thing, dude. Like, it's a real thing. And I was like, really? And I said, I just heard it because Demi Lovato, like, did it. There was oh, some article where she's like, oh, I'm California sober. And she kind of coined the phrase. And then ah. ever since then, it becomes I, I, you know what? I hadn't heard it since then. Okay. Until Joey C brought it up. Okay. And then I was like, and then I oh, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I, I guess that's a thing. I, I, I might have heard it in passing, but I didn't think it was serious. I'm upset that our state represents that. Upsets me. Yeah. No, yeah. not really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. you're, not, you're not the first person that's on this podcast that has been produced by Tommy Lee. It's come up like three times, three different people. Feldy. It, yeah, but somebody else, I'm not sure if it was Shifty or somebody else. Like somebody else has mentioned oh, yeah? Tommy Lee as a producer back then, like okay. involved in different things. That's pretty cool, actually. Hmm. Um, okay, so Electric Love Hogs, that record comes out in 1992. On London Records, isn't that the one? Yeah, crushes, yeah. crushes. Does no, it crush? No, it, it just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Were you guys playing shows and like building up a following? Crushed the bottom of the ocean where it ended up. Wow. No, that's what terrible. was the tour? The first tour. Who was it with? Uh dude, we our first tour was with Mighty Joe Young. Wow. Yeah, okay. in Europe. In Europe. Yeah. First Which time in Europe. Stone Temple Pilots, as you just said, right? No, that, that was, was my bad. Wait, did I say Mighty? I uh, sorry, you're right. Ugly Kid Joe. Ugly Kid Joe. Ugly Kid Joe was our first tour. Because we used to play shows with them in Santa Barbara. Okay. And they got signed at the same time as we did. 
we had the same lawyer and we made records at the same time and then we but their record came out first and they had that uh, i hate everything about you huge yeah so then we went to europe and opened for them that was your first time in europe yeah wow first time you sober yeah it's pretty amazing man. bummer no, it was cool. I didn't realize that. I, I, <laughs> His eyes got big. I didn't yeah, realize I that that dude sang for um, Life of Agony. Yeah, dude. I yeah. just saw the documentary. Yeah. That was incredible. I didn't yeah. know that. All right, so that tour, you come back from Europe, and then what happens? Uh, you guys touring a lot and shit? You guys doing a lot of shit in the States? We just, yeah, we toured with LA Guns, Woo. which was weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else did we do? Did you, you feel pilots? that you were... Did you, uh, feel that you were developing your own crowd at one point or yeah like oh these are our fan base yeah. yeah a little bit because then we started playing with like we play shows with alice in chains and mm-hmm. bands like that i saw that yeah um which was great but i don't know we just played all these smaller clubs with other bands that were right. kind of in that vein alice in chains kind of vein and i think they didn't really know where to put us because we were really like all over the place right like if you listen to that record now it's like metal i did and it's like yeah. then there's funk stuff and it's there's like funky. yeah and there's like stand up bass and our right. bass player was big into slapping and yes he was yeah that's his groove yeah but vibe. he would slap with the metal guitars and you know sometimes it was rock sometimes it was metal sometimes it's you know so it was kind of all over the place i i still appreciate it when i listen to it i'm like oh this was pretty rad but then you know i think that they just didn't know Right. Maybe if there was a bunch of Faith No More bands, we could have like opened for one of them. Mm-hmm. But I think we were too all over the place, and they didn't know what to do. I lo- I love Faith No More, by the way. Yeah, me too. Incredible band. Uh, we tried to get when we were doing when we were looking for a singer in Velvet Revolver. Yeah, I was like, we should get Mike Patton. Sick. And then we tried to. I think he said no. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we tried to. It's like through, I think Duff like. Right. Reached out to him. He's like, no. Nah, I want to get. I want to get like to uh, very far. But also, you also did you play on playing a Vexus Groove song or something too? I did. And you also did some stuff with Steve Perkins' album. Well, so Stephen, Stephen, that sounds so weird to say. Stephen per- Perkins and I met when I was going to music school. Okay. And I saw uh, Jane's play at Raji's. Okay. It was like their second show. Damn. And. Perkins was awesome. I was Amazing. going to music school. I had to make a demo. So I went up to Perkins. I'm like, dude, will you play on my demo? Like, I go to music school, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And no so we exchanged numbers. And dude, the, he it was so, demo? Dude, it was so funny. Wow. He came to my mom's house, right? I had a four track and I set up the drums in the living room. But because we were so young, like he didn't bring a carpet to put down on the floor. So was he in Jane's then? Yeah, it was. Wow. They had just started. And you know those spikes like on the front of the kick drum? Yeah. Dug into my mom's hardwood floor. Oh, shit. So there's like this gash, like fucking four inches <laughs> long. And now, like as a parent and a homeowner, I would fucking You're lose my shit because, if my kid did yeah. that. But then I was like 18. I was like, oh, what? It's not a big deal. Just color it, wow. you know? That's just so cool. We came and played on your freaking demo. Yeah. So we, we've known each other since then. And then. I, when we were doing Love Hogs record, we did it at this uh, place in the Valley called Devonshire. And the guy who produced it was this guy, Mark Dodson, who did uh, Suicidal's Light, Lights, Camera Revolution. Nice, great That's record. why we, you know, that's why we got him because we love that record. Great record. And then at the same time, he was doing the Infectious Grooves record at the same studio. 
Wow. So he was like double dipping and he would go back and forth. And then somehow, I don't remember this, but I was talking to Trujillo the other day and he said that I was the one that connected him with Perkins because Perkins played on the first infectious record. Oh, wow. But I don't really remember how. That makes sense. And then he explained it to me and I still forgot. I I can see that making (laughs) sense though, for sure. But I just knew all, like I knew um, Adam, the guitar player, had we went to school together. Okay. And so I just knew those guys. And then Dodson, the producer, was like, why don't you come over and play, you know, a solo? So I, I ripped a solo on the that Punk It Up song. That's cool. That first single. And then I ended up playing with them later when Adam left the band. And then did you have a band called Lit that you sold the rights to that name to the other band Lit? Yeah, for 100 bucks, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's only $100? Yeah. To that huge band lit? Well, dude, here's what happened. I was in a band. This was after the Love Hogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, who was in that band? You know what's funny? It was me, the singer from Orgy, was playing bass. Oh, shit, nice. We had this dude, Eric, that I met through Todd Youth, who was from New York. Shout out to Todd Youth. Todd Youth. We love you, Todd Youth. Yeah. And uh, actually, Todd Youth was in the band first. Okay. And then Todd split... And then it was like those dudes, it was the drummer from Love Hogs, um, and we were called Lit, and... First? Yeah. Wow. But we weren't doing anything. You know, we were playing local shows. It was, we didn't have a record deal. We didn't have but nothing. you had the name Trademarked or something? No. Okay. But they just, they, apparently that band was called something else, and the record was called Lit. Gotcha. And they were getting ready to put it out, and... They knew about us, and somehow some guy from the band called me somewhere. I don't even know. And he was like, hey, dude. Oh, because and my band had, then at that point had already broken up. Okay. So we weren't even together. It's just like yeah, a yeah. name I came up with. And he's like, dude, can we have that name? And I was just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, really? Are you sure? I said, yeah, it's cool. I mean, the band's not even together. And he's like, well can you sign this paper so that, you know, you don't come back and sue us or anything? Well, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I was like, all right, cool. Nice. Dang. So, that was it. And then they had, dude. And then, <laughs> and then I ended up, the worst part was I went in between bands. I would, uh, build sets like okay. on do art you department set for that. Song, dude, I, Anderson? I was working on a fucking lit video. Just like, wow. Oh God. <laughs> Talk about humbling. I should have more than a hundred bucks for <laughs> this shit, bro. This was like their second record where they were like blowing well, up. Well, the first thing was like Pamela Anderson or something. You would say, it's no surprise yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, I didn't work on that. You were, you were in Brazil then. You get you a pass. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I don't remember. Are you from big. Brazil? Like, did you grow up in Brazil? No, oh. no. No, I, I had moved there. So. To try out? You did? Yeah. To try out for Sepultura? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Moved it after you got the gig. I, yeah. Dude, I love Sepultura, by the way. Oh, nice. I fucking. I, I was listening to Chaos AD the other day. I fucking love that record. Dude. It's a banger. Yeah, so yeah. good. I like the way you sing it, though, live. We kill Thank that you. shit, Thank son. You. Mm-hmm. Kill mm-hmm. that shit, son. Um, yeah. So lit. That's fucking crazy, man. Damn. Yeah. 100 bucks. 100 bucks. That's oh <laughs> sad. And then what about Sugar Tooth? Was that another band after that? Yeah, that was after the Love Hogs. And Joey was. Joey. Joey. Joey was in that band. Was Lazy? Lazy was not in that band. Joey was in Sugartooth, and then they just needed a guitar player. And he called me, and he was like, why don't you come, you know, and then we toured, did a little touring with Sugartooth. What was the other Sugar band? Sugar Colt. That was in New York, right? Maybe. Another Sugar band, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know. Huge. And then you did, then you played on Psycho Mike O too. I did. Yeah, because Sick. I love Mike Mirror, man. Oh, dude, the bet. Okay, I got a story. Please. So, because you were a suicidal fan, for no, sure. yeah. no. I, oh, when back I, in the day, you well, no. back in the day, I was in the Lads, which was like an LA. Punk you were part band. of that, yeah. Oh, shit. but not for very long. So day. all my friends wow. were in the Lads, right? Was Joey C too back then? Maybe I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know Joey back oh, okay, then. This okay. was like when I was with the Math Society. Yeah, the Lads guys. is legit, dude. You heard of the Lads? So okay. So there was like these three like L.A. punk gangs. In L.A. So there yes. was like FFF, you know, it was the Valley Punk Gang. Okay. Then there was Suicidal. Damn. And then there was the Lads, L.A. Death Squad. So like wow. we would. Hard name, But you bro. would get like, you know, you you sometimes you get in fights. Let me find out dude was in the gang, bro. Go ahead. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the, the thing was, it's like all my friends were, you know, in the Lads. And then <clears throat> I was kind of in it for a really short time yeah and i just remember then i had these two friends and and i remember this one friend of mine who's who's not around anymore this guy speedy his name is alex and he he was really into it and he would wear like the armband because they had yeah. armbands right with the skull and crossbones and we went to the show uh i think it was discharge at at the olympic auditorium that sounds like a crazy ass show, dude. Already. And then he got the shit beat out of him because he was by himself, and uh, me and my other buddy were like over here, and he was over there, uh, and he got beat up by these suicidal dudes. And then we left. He was all fucked up. And then we went to this show. We went to see Slayer at the. I bet that was violent as fuck back then, dude. It was the dude. first, the first record. I think it was the first record, first or second. Jesus. But at the Country Club, which was out in Reseda. I know, I know the name of that. Dude, spot, yeah. I, I, I love Slayer, by the way. I've seen every record I've seen them play. Like, I was the guy that was, even with Velvet Revolver, we'd play festivals, and I'd, and I'd be like, oh, Slayer's playing tomorrow. I'm going to stay. You guys go. I'll, I'll, fucking, I'll figure it out, and nice. I'd stay and like, watch Slayer. And, it's awesome. But, Shout out to Gary Holt. He's an awesome dude. But I saw them when they had like the makeup and yeah. the fucking spiked, Spikes. you know, all like long. Yeah. So we went to see Slayer at um, at the country club. My friend Alex is there and he's like, I'm going to fucking stab some suey. You know, it's gums. And, and speedy. Yeah. And so we're in the crowd. Right. And dude, all of a sudden fucking Mike mirrors on stage announcing slayer so we're like okay there's a fucking lot of suicidals here right and then he and then at one point he had a knife and he got like some suicidal guy saw him with the knife and then all these suicidal guys like surrounded us and all i remember is i was in the hallway and mike mirror was like in my face and i think i was like holy shit i was what i was like 18 or something. And I just remember Mike Mirror like pointing at me like this, like, I fucking kill you. I fucking bro, bro. And I was like, uh huh. Holy uh-huh. shit. Yeah. Dude. Okay. And he looked oh. huge to me. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. like the same height, but like yeah. back then he just seemed. Yeah. And he was like the head yeah, of man. the fucking. Yeah. And there was all these, like Rick Clayton and all, like No Mercy, dude. And oh, No Mercy, yeah. All these guys were there. Bear Wolf, all those bands. And I was like, oh, shit. Because this was before Wasted Youth when I knew, like, Rick Clayton and yeah, all those yeah. dudes. So I was like, oh shit. Like, that was really not for me anymore. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and then I was just like, I'm not into this anymore. And then, so the best part is, so then we do the, we do the infectious record. Yeah. 
and and Mark Dodson, the producer who was doing Infectious, he I had told him this story. Oh shit! So I'm sitting in the room recording acoustic. So I'm out in the control. I'm out in the live room, and I see Mark, you know, through the glass, and I see Robert Trujillo and and Mike Muir walk in in the control room, and and Mike Muir starts looking at me like. You know, he's like looking at me like, Damn. do I fucking know that guy? And I, dude, I swear to God, I'm like, oh shit. I start fucking panicking. Like I start getting all sweaty and shit. I'm like, oh no. I'm going to fucking, Mike Muir's going to beat me up like in my own fucking uh, recording my own record. I was like, oh, this is bad. It is so funny. And then I go in the, I go in the room and I see Robert and Mike and, and I hadn't seen Mike since that, you know, that time. Yeah, many years ago. And I knew he was doing the record, but I was a little like nervous. I was like, oh, I'd, you know, look around in the parking lot before I went in the studio. Like, oh, is Mike Muir here? He scarred you for life. Dude, I swear to God. Because this was only like maybe four, four or five years later. Okay. And so Mike looks at me. I go in the control room and Mike's looking at me. He's like, you look familiar. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do that. And he's like giving me the stink eye like. Nah, I think I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, what? Nah, uh. And he starts laughing. And he's like, ah, I'm just fucking with you, dude. Mark told me the story. Oh, <laughs> oh I was like, oh, my God, dude. That is amazing. Oh, so, and that's how I, like, became like friendly cool with Mike. And yeah. then he needed, uh, and then when he did Psycho Michael, he needed me and Adam, the guy from it's Infectious, crazy the world is like played that, guitar on it. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah, it was fun. And then you were in Danzig for nine months and only played one show. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about like dude, my whole career was like the other shoe dropping the whole time. Right. I uh again, Joey was Joey oh, yeah. when I was in Sugartooth with Joey, Joey ended up leaving um Sugartooth to go to get the Danzig gig. Right when Danzig 4 came out. I wish I seen Joey and Danzig and I got to see that. Probably it was so good, shit, dude. dude. So good. And um and then, you know, like a year later, maybe he called me and was like, dude, you should come try out. And so I tried out, I think Blasco was already in the band mm-hmm. and I tried out, I got the gig, but it was in this weird period where Glenn had lost his voice. Okay. So he said, you talk like this. I didn't know he did that. I know that. And I don't know what happened to him, dude. He was, oh, he would talk like this and he'd be like, hey, hey, Joey, uh, oh, we're going to practice today or, you know. Wow. And so for nine months, dude, we practiced and learned Danzig songs at Mates. And he would come in like once, you know, every month or two. And he would try and sing and he was fucked up. And he Damn. would like, he was going to doctors and they'd be like, oh, I went downtown and I got this, these Chinese herbs, you know. He was trying yeah. everything to get his voice back because it was gone. Was for he pretty like, cool? <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> no, you know what, dude? I, I'm only saying that because Glenn. <laughs> Most uncomfortable part. I, I love dancing stories because I'm fascinated. Dude, so Glenn, him. it was so weird because. Go ahead, sorry. Oh no, no, I'm just saying. I, I I'm pretty no fascinated. Matter everything I've heard, it, I'm always just like, yeah. I met but him. I'm still. It's so weird. I, still I love him. dancing. I still love. Like, I do too. No matter all the stories I hear, I'm like, I don't care. Dude, me and my wife were walking down St. Mark's back in the day, and here comes Danzig with Todd Youth and with my right. wife. I'm like, holy shit, it's Todd Youth and fucking Danzig. I didn't even look to do the eye. They shook yeah. his hand for a second. I was just like, 
Right. It's fucking Danzy. I don't know what to do. It's a, well, first of all, he's just beyond intimidating yeah. as, you know, his presence and everything. So, you know, it's like Joey was actually living in, in Glenn's back house wow. off of Franklin. Oh, my God. So did Howie Power, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah I so, saw Howie they once. And Howie, because Howie was in yes, he Danzy was. too. Yeah. With Todd. Yep. And so it was, it was just weird. Wait, I did a show. Were you a big Misfits fan growing up and shit too? Not really. Okay. I was more that made it easy LA, you. you know? Yeah. I wasn't so New York punk rock I got as much as LA. Ramones, I wasn't, Ramones maybe? No. I never did. I bro. Did. Get out. This was mad best coast. <laughs> I will say wow, I wow. never really was a huge Ramones fan. Okay. okay. I was more like, I was always too like in the metal and. Got you. So it's like. Not then, but you know, I went from like Circle Jerks, Black Flag, Discharge, GBH. You know, it was like okay. European yeah. Yeah. punk and LA punk. Gotcha. The crowd, yeah. fear, and the subtitles, yeah. fear, yeah. all those bands, and then it went you straight into Slayer and you know all okay. the metal bands. All right, respect. So no minor threat. Minor threat, yeah. East Coast, but, okay, okay. But you know, plus you lived in DC for a second, so yeah. Okay, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> back, to Dan, back to Glenn Danzig. Yeah. No, I don't know, dude. He was just, he's a very hard dude to make a connection with. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, like, because yeah. he's a very... Standoffish. Standoffish. Yeah. And, and, you know, Joey gets along with everyone, dude. Totally. And he's just, he's got the right temperament, and he just got along great with Glenn. And, you know, I'd see Glenn laugh once in a while. But yeah. I we just... We weren't in the band that long. I mean, we were. Yeah. We didn't see him that much, to right. be honest. You know, we would see him, and then we'd play, and he'd be like, "Ah." Oh, and this is yeah, no disrespect to you or Danzig, but they had a lot of revolving. There was so many different members. Oh, yeah. dude, oh, those yeah. lineups. I've seen so many yeah. different lineups in that. Dude, yeah. Tommy from Prong, yeah. fucking yeah. Uh, me, uh, Todd, that dude was that was Christ? Howie. There was a guy, John Christ. John Christ. Um, there was this other dude. That was in and Rob Zombie's band. My boy from Sam Hain, the drummer. Uh, ah, look at his name. Oh, okay. my boy. Yeah. He's a there nurse. Was a lot he's of, a lot nurse of in real life. In it, I mean. he's a, I'll get his yeah. name back in a second. But yeah, so yeah. And also, I think I, uh, the reason I paused was because, so what happened was, we did this one Christmas, or not Christmas, no, we did a Halloween show. This was the your, one, show. one show. Yeah, we did one show. Yeah. So it was me, Blasco, uh-huh. and, and, and Joey. And, I would pick up like Blasco didn't have a car, so I'd pick him up every day for rehearsal. Blasco. He's the best, dude. He's awesome. Is Blasco the ones with Liquid Death, correct? Yeah, awesome. Blasco awesome. okay, plays in Ozzy's band, okay, and he manages yeah. Zach, and he plays yeah, with okay. Zach and Joey, and he was the best, dude. He He's had awesome. this little dog. He had a little mini Doberman named Damien that would fucking like go crazy every time I'd pull up in my El Camino, and Blasco's rad, dude. Rad. He helped me move. When I moved out from one apartment to the other, he's like, When I first oh, started the tour, he was working at the bar that we'd always go to. He was like, Yeah, bartender there. And it yeah. Was really cool. London, yeah. London May, by the way. I want to shout London Oh, yeah. May. That's I what I'm talking about. Okay, good. He's just so, he's just great. Yeah. Dude. I love that guy. And um, so we, <laughs> we played this one show. It was like a surprise show at the Whiskey Hall- for wow, Halloween cool. in like. I think it was 96, That's maybe. A sick fucking show there. And then a couple, like maybe a month later, the four of us went out. We went to the Viper Room. I forget to You were Glenn who. and them? Me, Glenn, <laughs> Joey, That's and sad. Blasco. We all went, I forget why. We all went to see some band, and Danzig 5 had come out. 
okay. which was a record where he didn't have a band and like Joey played on it okay. and Jerry Cantrell and Lazy and some other people and Glenn played guitar and this guy played guitar and there was okay. programming and there was all it was all over the place here. yeah and Glenn was talking I forget why somehow the conversation went to like that record and I was like I was like, oh, that record's cool, but it doesn't really sound like a band. It sounds <laughs> exactly. Dude. I said, it just sounds what? Yeah, like, dude. Yeah. I swear to God, that's all I said. Really, the next day, Joey calls me. He's like, dude, I think we're gonna look for another guitar player. <laughs> I was like, oh, because of the thing I said. He's like, yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was it. it. Oh, that that was it. Holy dude, shit! Hey, but you know what? Man. I was right. Yeah, and, I'm yeah, right. I'm right. You're right, but right. you don't say that shit to Glenn. Oh, fuck that wow. band. Dude. Fuck that band. Yo, I respect. No. I respect your honesty. At least you was honest. But Absolutely. The, but did but it was really dumb. But the Glenn uh, asked, hindsight. Yeah, but did Glenn actually asked say that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yo, it was just one of those right. knucklehead moments where, right. like, if you were watching that in a movie, you'd be like, dude, like, yeah, why yeah, would you see that? Yeah. What do you respond to when you said that? He's like, I like that record. That sounds like a band to me. I was like. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just because there's a lot of different people playing I on it, so it sounded yeah. more like yeah. a. I was like, it sounded more like a Nine Inch Nails record or something, and. Oh, he Yo, was Glenn like, was up all night too, like fucking pissed. Yeah. And the next morning, we'll go. waiting to call Joey, yeah. waiting to go in Joey's room, right. wake him up. Hey, <laughs> hey, Joey, you gotta get rid of that guy. That guy's out. He's out. And then Blasco got kicked out like a month or two. Were later, you bummed right? when you bummed when you got that call the next yeah, day? Yeah, of course. Damn, that was the biggest band I had been in to right. date. Yeah, because I, you know, every band, it's like you'd get a little farther, a little farther, you know, and yeah, yeah. and you, you know, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to, uh, other shoe drops every time. And then how long after that, what we do between that and Velvet Revolver? Fuck, that was a long time, dude. Really? Uh, It's all big. Was Zilch in there too? Zilch was in there. Yeah. We do, the first time we went to Japan with Zilch, Howie was playing bass. Oh, wow. Okay. I think. Wait, no. No, Howie played bass the second time. So it, it, so before Very Vol, were you getting into all like the soundtrack stuff too? Like the Sons of Anarchy no, stuff? No, that was that after. Was after. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, what did I do? I went, I played with Dave Navarro. Oh, that's cool. He did a solo record. I, I was that. like the MD for his solo band. We toured. What's the MD mean to people listening? Uh, musical director. Yeah. Musical director, like That's I hired cool. the band, and I mean it doesn't mean much really for for me. Oh, it's right but, there, <laughs> musical director. <laughs> notes. Um, it's usually the guy who you know is like the go between between yeah. Yeah, the artist cool, and the you know like I, dude, I had such a rad band. It was like me. <laughs> another funny thing, it was me. So Andy Slater was the head of Capital, okay. and he was managing Dave, and Dave and I were friends. So Dave was like, "Yeah, why don't you you know help me put together the band." He had made this record and I was like, let's get Joey C and let's get Scott from Weezer, the bass player. And that'll be the band. Sick. And I put the band together and I forget why dude, but we went to this club and Annie Slater was there and two out of three of us had like leather pants on. I think <laughs> we had leather pants on and Dave had leather pants on cause from Agatha, you know, yeah, Agatha. Yeah, Agatha. So yeah, yeah. Agatha was, Scott was going out with Agatha. Gotcha. And so oh, she would God. make all these pants. And we were like, yeah. I was like, I want some of those pants. You know, yeah, and she, she comes was, over and does not And they fit like jeans, totally. you know. Yeah. And it was like, wasn't like, you know, wasn't as goofy as it sounds. Yeah. But it was still a little goofy. So we 
We it was Dave, me, and, <laughs> and Scott all had leather pants on, and Andy Slater's like, "Oh no, no, you guys look like you're in fucking Creed." And Andy's oh. like, and then he, the next day he got this girl, uh, this Asian girl bass player. So he, the next day Andy, so Andy didn't like the visual. So gotcha. he like was like, no, we're getting this chick to play drums or bass, and then we're getting this dude. We end up getting this guy Jerome who played in Nine Inch Nails. It was great, but wow, he wanted the band to not look like Creed. Yeah, apparently. Understandable. Are you a part? Are you a part of putting Velvet Revolver together? Yeah, I can't argue with that. Are you a part of putting Velvet Revolver together, or you just auditioned? No, I had no nothing to do with that. Okay, I was. Uh, what happened? I was doing Zilch and then I was, that was just a project. And then I was, I was working a lot, just building sets and doing my thing. Oh, doing and, yeah, set design. And I started writing songs at home, just like on a computer, you know, it's like, yeah. and I think at that point I was kind of, uh, I was like 30 ish, like 34 mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And I was just, or in my early 30s, and I was just really into, um, I was trying to write music to, for fun, you know, yeah. like instead of, you know, you get caught in this, I think, you know, kind of idea of like, when you're trying to do something and then the shoe drops and then you like get a, a little further, yeah, yeah. not even a hit song, but you're like, oh, I like this band. This is like, maybe I'll, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. you start getting in your head and you yeah. start okay. kind of, totally know. you know, like, oh, well, if I write it like this, maybe yeah. it's be a little more like, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'd gotten to this point where I'm just like, you know what? I'm tired of not having any money. I'm just going to fucking work all the time. Mm -hmm. I was working. I was making money. And I started just writing songs by myself on, on in Logic. And I met uh, Mikey Fitz from Fitz and the Tantrums. Okay. Way before Fitz and the Tantrums. And I'd seen his band at the Viper Room and I, was, I liked his voice. And I'm like, dude, I'm writing these songs at my house. You want to sing on them? He's like, okay, cool. And so he came over and we would we recorded all these songs. And when I was in Japan with Zilch, I had become friends with Duff because we were the only okay. two, two of the only dudes not drinking. Ah. And, you know, because I knew Slash and I knew other dudes. Yeah, yeah. And um, we just were friendly and he was cool. And we just started talking and drinking near beers and fucking hanging out. And we became friends. Yeah. Near cool. beers, OG near beers yeah. with I the heard, orange label. I just heard, I just, we just recently went, went down to our friend's studio and played a song on Fear's new album. Duff did. Yeah. He's fucking cool. He's huge. That's punk so cool. Fan. Okay. Go ahead. I know I was jealous when I saw the leaving picture, but, um, <laughs> we, we just became friends, dude. And we started hanging out and it, it was really had nothing to do with music. Like we would just go see movies and that's cool. Totally dork out. Like, cause he's a big reader. And he was always reading books, like still. And he was like, oh, I read this book called Black Hawk Down and they made it into a movie. We should go see it. And ah. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And there was this movie called Chopper Reed yeah. with Eric Bana. Yeah, or chop, yeah. Love Chopper, yeah. It's a man. great book. Yeah, I, I read he read the book. book. Yeah, yeah. The I, book. I have all three books. I read those. Yeah, yeah, dude, he read the book and he's like, dude, this movie Chopper Reed, we should go see it. Eric Bana killed that. And so then good. so we, so then he heard the, the stuff I'd done with Mikey Fitz and he's like, dude, we should, we should do that. That should we should start a band. Wow. He had loaded. I was playing in loaded just because the guys had left and you know, we got along good and we were hanging out a lot. Yeah. So he's like, Are oh, we playing loaded? I said, Okay, cool. And then I played him these songs and he's like, Let's start a band. I said, All right, let's get Joey C. 
He's always <laughs> like, always, always the first, always the first guy. That's so cool, though. And and so that was the band. It was us four, you know. And then we went into Rumbo where they. I recorded there were Guns N' Roses. Yeah, same time we were there. Yeah, yeah, dude. And so we went to Rumbo and we re re recorded those songs that I'd recorded with Fitz, and we were going to start a band, and it was ch- called Chopper Reed. Dude, no way. yeah, we called the band Chopper Reed, and we were like, "Oh, we're gonna get fucked up by that guy," and we're like, "No, nah, he lives pretty far. <laughs> He's in Australia. Oh, we'll be He's fine." So ill that story, man. And we like spelled the name differently. Like, oh, we'll spell it like this if we change it, you know. And um, yeah, dude, and we we started that band, and at the same time, there was a benefit for Randy Castillo, who had died, okay. drummer Ferrazzi, and me and I remember me and Duff were in Swingers, and. I remember Matt came in, saw him, because he lived around the corner. Yeah. And he was asking Duff, and I'd know Matt, but I didn't, you know, we weren't, we didn't hang out or anything. Yeah. I just knew him from around. And he was told, he was telling Duff, like, hey, you know, Randy Casillo died. I want to do this benefit for his, you know, uh, um, funeral costs and all this shit. And, and we're going to play at the key club. And Duff was like, yeah, cool. I'll do it. So then it was, uh, Slash Duff and Matt and the singer and the guitar player from Buck Cherry. Oh, wow. Right. Keith and Josh. And they played together and there was other people like Steven Tyler was there and other people played and cool. whatever. And I remember just being in the audience like, oh, dude, <laughs> like so bummed. Like, <laughs> is this going to be their new band? Right. I just started a band with this guy. Yeah. Now I'm just like, yeah. the writing was slowly, a break, man. Was slowly shit, coming man. down the wall. Right. And I remember like a couple weeks later, Duff called me and he's like, well, dude, we started playing with, you know, I haven't played with Slash in forever and like, it sounds really good and it's really going well. And me, him and Matt just, you know, it's, and so we're going to start playing with, uh, you know, Josh and Keith and, and, uh, you know, so I don't think I can really have time to do the, Chopper Reed thing and I was like Chopper Reed so bummed and I was like oh dude it's cool you know like I understand you know what am I gonna do dude and then so he and I were still friends we would talk all the time and then a couple weeks later he called I guess they they, so when they were writing songs they couldn't hear Josh's voice really Mm -hmm. they couldn't hear really what he was doing Mm because they didn't have a proper PA right but they would record shit. So they recorded and they demoed it and they were like, ah, we don't, we're not sure about Josh's thing. We're not, you know, it's not vibing. Right. And so they, they said, you know, we're going to get rid of Josh. So I got rid of Josh and Keith was still in the band. And then Duff called me and he's like, I'm not sure if, you know, it's, I'm not sure if we're going to keep Keith in the band. You know, it's not, it's not going great. You know, or I don't remember why really. Yeah. But it just wasn't gelling right. And he's like, I think we're going to, you know, part ways with him. And we have these eight songs. So why don't you learn some of these songs and then come down next week? Sick. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that was my reaction too. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> Sick, bro. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, cool. And then the next day, dude, he called me. He's like, oh, dude, I couldn't, you know, I was just, it was so uncomfortable. I just told Keith that he was out and you should come down tomorrow. I was oh, like, what, damn. dude? Oh, shit. He's like, if you know any GNR songs, you know, play right. those two. I was like, whoa, That's shit. Sick. I'm, dude, I am the worst at remembering songs. Okay. Right. If you asked me to play a Velvet Revolver song right now, I feel like I would not be able right. to play it front to back. <laughs> and and so. Were you a big GNR fan too? 
I like the first record a lot. Yeah. But I didn't know any of those. I never okay. like sat down and right. learned a lot of songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I was like, shit. And I just fucking tried the best I could. And I went down, I had my pedal board and my fucking, you know, and I set up and I played and they were like, all right, cool. Basically it was like, and it was okay because I known slash and cause I knew yeah. everyone. So yeah. I wasn't like super nervous, you know? Yeah. Just like whatever, dude. You know, it's fucking whatever. You know, and so I went down and I did my thing and had all my pedals and just decided like I'm gonna, you know, because I use a lot of pedals when I play and I'm like I'm just gonna make my weird sounds and I'm gonna do my thing and and I couldn't really hear Slash because the fucking volume coming out of Duff's amp. Yeah. So I'm on the other side. Duff's amp so loud I can barely hear what Slash is even playing, which is kind of what why velvet revolver ended up the way it was okay. that was kind of the sound like mm-hmm. i would just play really off more off the bass than what he was doing gotcha and was that intimidating that first time jam with him no you a little bit just because yeah. i wanted the gig you yeah, know but yeah. i wasn't like intimidated by like oh Ooh, there's slash because i'd known yeah, him since yeah, i was yeah. 13 you yeah, know high school and, shit. Yeah. and uh duff i was already playing with and so that day, I, I was getting ready to leave. I was getting ready to get my pedal board, and they're like, oh, just leave it. Why don't you come back tomorrow? I was like, okay, cool. Nice. Dude, and that it went on like that for like 10 months. Wow. Like, what? I, I fucking, they never tried anyone else out. I never really knew if I was in the band. Oh, my God. And we just started ru- jamming, and they locked out mates two to six, Monday through Friday. So we would just write songs every day, and- started looking for singers. You write stuff too or just going yeah, oh, all of us. So cool, oh, nice. man. Just in awesome. a room jamming yeah. like and so for for 10 months we looked for a singer and I never really knew if I was in the band and then <laughs> after like 4 months Izzy came around. Izzy. Yeah. Izzy fucking came Damn. back yeah. and I was like, "Oh, great." Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like and totally, dude. And uh I was like, "Oh, this is fucked." And <laughs> and I remember Duff was like, "Dude, it's going to be fine. Like just, he does this. He comes around. Yeah. He wants to play. He, and then he'll leave in a couple of weeks. He'll, he never stays. He just like wants to play and have fun. And then he'll leave. jam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they wrote some songs with them and then they went in the studio with them. They're like, Oh dude, by the way, we're going to go in the studio with them. I was like, what? Wow. Dude. And, 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 and I didn't go. And I was like, ah, oh, this is it. This is it. Yeah. yeah this is the other shoe. And, are you working at that time? Like, how are you surviving during that 10 months? I, dude, I worked at Mates because okay. wow. I was so afraid of losing my gig. Okay. And I was, I would work on sets, but every time I'd get a gig, you know, it's like, hey, do you want to work 10 days on this commercial? And the, the hours are crazy. Yeah. You know, you're working all 12 hours a day. So I just turned down all the jobs eventually. And Jeez. I was like, and Bobby at Mates, who I'd known forever, he's like, dude, I'll give you a job here. You can work from nine to, Two, and then jam with these guys and then be at rehearsal and then just so That's i do was doing cartage at mates which was another which was a mind fuck because i was carting like all these dudes that i had been in bands with dude, the second day oh i God, did dude. queens of the stone age so i'm like which <laughs> <laughs> i knew troy and i knew joey and i was like pushing fucking <laughs> and That's i was like what's up dudes you know like hey bro what's up and like oh where do you want this case you know like pushing the fucking anvil case like and then two o'clock you jimmy was slashing the room. yeah dude and then yeah so it was like that's incredible wow and then so people would be like oh what are you doing now i'm like oh i'm in this band with <laughs> three guys from guns and roses <laughs> well i think i'm in this band <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. I I've been in jamming for 10 <laughs> yeah. months. And That's insane. Dude, so that was it. And so I would do cartage. I would fucking, you know, with all these dudes I knew. Wow. And then I would go to rehearsal. And yeah, so we just did that for 10 months. And I met Chris, my wife now. Shout out to Chris. Right, uh, like three months before that. Okay. So okay. we were just dating and, you know, she was like, wait, you're, so you're in a band with the guys from Guns N' Roses, but you're not making any money. Like I had no, not that she wanted me, you know, yeah. but it's like, I had no yeah. money to begin with. I had like two, $400 in the bank maybe. Yeah, when you're I loading her. in gear of the band you're yeah. jamming with. Totally, dude. <laughs> and, oh, dude, it was gnarly. Wow, I would do this dude. thing like they call them truck dumps, you know, like when big bands get back from tour and oh, they, yeah. they have like a semi full of gear like that band Chicago we would do it for. And McBob, who was um, Duff's bass tech and Adam, who was uh, Slash's bass, uh, guitar tech and all the techs would do these things called truck dumps where it's like the, the semi would pull up to the storage place. Yeah. And you just take all the stuff yeah. off of the off of this you know into the storage and mcbob who's duff's guy he talks like this he'd be like hey hey dave you want to do a truck dump 60 bucks cash and i'd be like yeah fuck yeah dude let's do it <laughs> so i'd leave rehearsal go do a truck dump and i'd fucking Holy come back and so that was like that whole time just am i in the band hey duff <laughs> hey man am i in the band or not and he'd be like dude don't worry about it. like you know you're in the band kind of but <laughs> You know, you're basically, I mean, we're not looking for anyone else. Like, right. let's just see what happens. You're like in the studio making the record. Like, <laughs> Dude, he'd always just be like, don't worry about it. I got you. And he was right. You know, he was always, you know, kind of calming me down. So how long after those 10 months you guys actually made the record and then like. Became no, a dude, we, we, so we kept looking for, there's a really good documentary called The Rise of Velvet Revolver. Oh, really? That's on, uh, that VH1 made. Oh, it's shit. It's killer, I'm gonna, dude. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Because it starts from. I think I was in the band. We were only playing together for about three months. Okay. And these two dudes came, the Alexes. Yeah, and they were just there all the time. And they would, you know, yeah. they were there fucking hanging out. And they were really cool. And what was their deal? They were just, they worked, they had done this Aerosmith documentary. And Slash yeah. knew them or Slash, someone at BH1 approached Slash. So they were filming and hanging. Okay. okay so they were okay. just hanging out. And okay. they would interview us or they'd see us like, you know, trying singers out and telling singers like you're not the guy and they were there the whole time dude and they were there when scott first came to rehearsal wow. and so we somehow we had a manager the manager had talked to scott and i knew scott i was so gonna I'd, say that you toured together right? so i saw him at the gym and they're like dude you should give him a cd so i gave him the cd at the gym and he was like, oh, cool. I, I don't remember if he was still in SCP or whatever. Another great band, by the no, way. No, they, they had, I think he was, yeah. Or well, was at like first, at first he was in it. Yeah. Because yeah. we tried to get him and he's like, no, I'm still in SCP. Yeah. And we we're like, all right, whatever. Then after the 10, during that period, he had gotten kicked out. Right. Oh, shit. And so then we were like, you know, and, and I think almost everyone in the band in, in Velvet Revolver at the time wasn't drinking. Okay. So we all were like, all right, well, you know, we knew like obviously what his deal was and yeah. his past and his story. And so, but we basically, we gave him these, this CD, he put vocals on one song. We listened to it and we we're like, this is the guy. 
you know he's the fucking he's the whole package you know he's like what we've been waiting for and he came down and it's all like on this in the documentary okay he came down he sang he fucking crushed it and we were like you know what yeah there's a guy you know let's go and but then dude like so our managers had set up this this showcase um for two days later you know they once they heard the song they started these wheels in motion yeah and they're like we're gonna do a showcase but for a for all these um music supervisors for all these because that was a time when when all the big uh blockbuster movies were happening like like mission impossible and everyone like if you would have a song at the end title that was like the big thing you know it's like yeah big willy weekend with independence day yep all that totally and so they were like the plan was before we do a record deal we're gonna get you know get you guys some money by getting you an end title Mm -hmm. and then you know that could be like your first original song yeah Yeah. it was very nice (laughs) and so that so they had all these people come down so we had that was two days Scott was supposed to come the second day to rehearse, and then the third day we were going to do the showcase. Second day, he doesn't show up. He's nowhere to be found. We keep calling. There's like an assistant. We're like, hey, is Scott coming? They're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be there in a bit. And he never comes. Damn. He's like, dude, it was brutal. We're all stressed out. It's all in the video, all in the doc. Okay. It's like us. Like, are we really going to do this? Are we going to start like this? Is this, he has the flu, you know? Like, Oh, man air quotes the flu and it was just like i guess you know and like uh, we did it anyways the next day we're like all right dude so you're gonna come down at like 12 he's like i'll come at 12 we'll rehearse and then everyone all the music people come at two and then we'll play next day it's 12 12 30 1 1 30 calling he'll be there in 15 minutes oh my two God. o'clock all the people are showing up they're there. Scott's still not there. At two thirty, he shows up. Oh my god! It's yeah. all on tape, dude. It's all on film. They see him. You see him walking through the parking lot, no shirt on, or just like shirt oh open. God. And you know, to his credit, dude, he killed, he killed it, and that was it. And then we ended up, you know, right there. We 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 did uh, we did a cover of Money for the Italian Job. Oh yeah, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, and then at the same time we did uh, that song we had given him, "Set Me Free." Yeah, we recorded that and did it for Eric Bana, the Hulk mm-hmm. that Ooh, Eric Bana was in. That's a good movie. That's cool, man. And so then that was it, and then we got just like that. That's crazy. It was crazy, dude. Like I remember, <laughs> no money. I remember having no money, and it's when you would call like the bank, and it would say, <laughs> "Hold on, my wife." <laughs> what? I'm sorry, honey. I'm doing a podcast. Did she know you over here? What up? Yeah. Um, anyways, so I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to... Oh, no. Sorry. I saw... I would call the bank, you know? And I really didn't know how things worked. So I was like, I would call the bank every day to check my account, you know? I'd be like, oh, your banking... Your checking account has $200 and three cents. <laughs> yeah, I remember I'd be like, all right. Oh, me too. And then, so, and then, dude, one day I called and there was like 10 grand in there. Well, from oh, the Italian shit. job, and I was like, "Your checking account balance is ten thousand dollars and twenty four cents." I was like, "Whoa!" I called my mom like a three way. I'm like, "Mom, check it out!" And I was like, "Your checking account," and I was so stoked. I never had that much money in my life, 
I was 35, dude. Wow, dude. And I was. That's for one of the movies. And yeah. dude, I kept calling. And then at, <laughs> at one point, <laughs> Hoping it said, more. dude, I swear to God, this happened. I called again and it said, your checking account balance is $20,000. And I was like, no, oh my God. And I called the bank and talked to a person because I didn't believe it. And she's like, oh, let me check. And she's like, oh, no, that was a mistake. It's just 10. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that's a, I know, that's dude. And then, and that was just, and then we did the, 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 the Hulk movie. And then it was just like way more than that. I can't imagine. And then I, I was imagine, like, yeah. you know, then I was like, dude. And I, and dude, I asked Duff because Duff had gone to, um, gone back to, to, uh, University of Washington, I think some school in Seattle. He'd gone back to college to get a degree in finance. Oh, wow. Why? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, because right. when he he was not drinking and he would um, try and read these financial statements from Guns N' Roses. Which I'm sure are insane, by the way. Yeah, and he Absolutely. didn't understand them, so he started asking questions. Yeah. And he just got interested, and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go to fucking college. That's so cool. And I'm going to learn all this stuff. And so I would say, like, dude, what do I do, you know? What do I do with my money? And he was like, buy a house. I was like, what? I get buy. I only got this much, yeah. you know. And he'd be like, just put ten percent down, you know, blah blah blah. And he, the other thing he said was, watch what Matt Sorum does with his money and do the opposite. Okay, because <laughs> because just because he had been in GNR with Matt and oh, Matt yeah. would spend money like he was a founding member, yeah, even though shit. he was hired yeah. and. Wow, I mean, that's so, some yeah. great advice, man. Did you buy a house? I did, dude. Oh, I bought a house amazing. in Studio City. and Did you buy a house before the record came out? From just off the movies? I did, actually. Holy shit. I think we had gotten... Yet. I think we had, might have gotten an advance from a record deal, you, too. Good for you. But I remember because the record came out in 2004. Yeah. In like the middle of 2004. Yeah. I got married in 2000... December 2003. Yeah. We were mixing the record and we were buying a house all at the same time so and we Chris bought our house like, yo this guy just did two songs for movies and we're chilling yeah. he hasn't done the record yet that's crazy yeah we were uh so yeah we must have we got the advance for the record so i had the money from the, the all these three things and but that was like way before the whole housing crash yes in right. 2008 yeah so you literally could tell a bank like Oh yeah, I'm in a I'm in a band, or I make lots of money, and they'd be like, "Okay, how much do you want?" Yeah, way different now. Or like, I remember Chris, like I had terrible credit, and Chris had really good credit, so we like got a joint checking account, you know, yeah, commingled yeah. everything, and then we got and and then, but she we had to buy the house in her name. Got you. And then she had I did to the like same thing. Yeah, then she I had to, credit, did the same yeah, thing this house. Yeah, the quick claim. I they do the quick claim yeah. thing, and then she basically gave me half of the house. You know, like. Yeah. And then that helped me build my credit, and then I fucking loser musicians. I know, dude. Jeez. But then, then Contraband comes out in two thousand four, right? And it's yeah. number one on Billboard. Yeah, it's that worse. was crazy, dude. That's like, insane. It dude. was after that, dude. It was like, but again, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, the and whole still, time, dude. When it hit number one on Billboard, did, did they let you know you're actually in the band at that point? In the band at that point, dude. I, it's <laughs> like I knew at that point. To be honest, once Scott got in the band, yeah, because Scott and I were friends cool and scott really kind of i remember scott wanted to 
get sober and he had known me for, you know, a long time. And he was like, dude, can I stay at your house? Dude, I lived in an apartment with, with Chris in a two bedroom apartment. All these other guys had houses Yeah, and he's like, can I stay with you? You know, and so he stayed in this apartment because he was going through a divorce, I think. And oh man, and so he lived with us for a little bit. And you know, we'd just known each other since Mighty Joe Young, and, yeah. and we had kind of come up together in a sense. And we were always got along great. And 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 he had told me at one point, like, I don't know if I would have stayed in the band because if you weren't in the band, because that made it not Guns and Roses. You know, it made mm. it not. It made yeah. it like, you know, cause you came from a different thing than those guys. And, totally. and so we were kind of, we kind of bonded that way, you know, and he was great, man. He, I mean, he was great in the sense for me personally, because he always like really believed in me, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. he was always like, like when I would present songs, he would be like, Oh, let's use that song, you know? Right. Cause he always liked my yeah. shit. And yeah. And, um, man, that album, it was cool. It's crazy because, uh, it was quick, like with Velvet. I was like, "Damn, this is huge already!" And I was like, yeah. "Yeah." I was already living out of the country, so I was like, mm, "I don't know, in my own world." But in the past, like day or a few days, I was like, "I'm gonna really check out this album." Yeah, because I remember hearing those songs, like the big songs. But I was like, "Eh," but <laughs> hearing it, like yeah. now, eh. you know, I was just like, "Wow." It'd be first rad. of all, the first album was like the production is yeah. fantastic. It'd be funny if you went and then I listened to it and then I was like, obviously good production because the, the production know, is amazing. Yeah. Best of the best. The vocals are, I mean, he kills it. I mean, I yeah. just love it's straight up rock and yeah. I love his vocals. You He's know, fucking and I love great. He's pure talent. I mean, man. the whole mix of everything. And I'm like, oh, let me. Ah. Andy Wallace. Yeah. And I was like, he's, he's the shit. Dude. He's the shit. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so well balanced. I'm like, damn. I was like, I missed out, you know, that time because yeah. people were hyped in Brazil on it. They were like, yo, yeah. Velvet Revolver. Oh <laughs> my God. I was like, yeah, dude. calm the fuck down. I was like, what is going on? But when I hear now, I'm like, man, this shit is my new jam now. Like, I, I that's really, cool. Yeah, cool. it's really South really, America was the, fucking into it, dude. That, when we went to that, South America. I mean, it's really. Oh man, when I hear now, I'm like, fucking hell, man, it's so good. That's cool. I, it's Thank real, you. I love it. Man. I'm so happy for you because of this journey so far. Like what what you went through and all the different bands and ups and downs and like almost doing this and almost doing that with a band and playing the one show with Danzig and then working, loading yeah, the gear. Yeah, I mean, gear. even like reading about, like doing research, I was just like, holy shit, it was definitely that like, ah, yeah. And all of a sudden, ah. this guy's number one in Billboard and shit. It's like, it's pretty yeah. fucking amazing, man. It was crazy, dude. And and I just got married. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was fucking unbelievable. You know, for, for what it was because I just got married. Chris got along with everyone in the band. Yeah. She was super cool. She's still pretty cool. She's awesome. No, she's the best. And yeah. and and because we traveled everywhere like first class, you know, like we got first class tickets everywhere we went. Wow. And I would trade mine in for two business and then she would come with Aww, me. That's and she would ride on the bus and Amazing everyone there. got along with her. And she was, Dope. every time like I said, you know, hey, Chris is going to come out, you know, and could you ride on the bus? And they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. Because nice. awesome. she drinks and I don't. Yeah. So she would drink and like, 
Dude, it was so funny. I'd be like in the front lounge and her and Slash and Matt would all be drinking and like That's talking amazing. shit. And she's from Jersey. She can hang. She's Hell yeah. bust balls like with the best of them. Totally. And, and it was great, dude. She did all the things like I was supposed to be doing because I so was you lived sober. Through, you lived through her. I can't dude, I remember before. this one time she was, <laughs> there's so many good stories, but there was this one time we played a festival in uh, Amsterdam it was Slayer. Yeah. And I just remember it was Fields of Rock, that festival. Right, right. And dude, she's standing between, I wish I had a camera. She's standing between two tour buses. Because you know all the tour buses park next to each other in yeah, the field. Yeah. Standing between two tour buses, throwing up like <laughs> at 10 in the morning. <laughs> and just like, Badass. it was the best, dude. And then she goes back in and she's in her bunk. And she's like, and then I remember I like I went and did sound check and I came back from catering with like a muffin and I opened the little fucking drapes and I'd yeah. be like, here's a muffin. She'd be like, oh, thank you. Like, she'd just like stay in the bunk sleeping. Up all night with Slash yeah, Party. Yeah, totally, dude. <laughs> it was a dream, God. But it was like, you know, that That's band amazing. was like like an episode of Behind the Music for six years. Six years, You know, it was okay. like crazy. I mean, so the, I mean, when you went to record the second album, so... Scott was sober on that album. Libertad. What's it called? Libertad? Libertad. He Libertad. was, he might, he went in and out okay. a lot, All you right. know, like, so, like, even, there was a point when he was first, like, before we did the first record, he wanted to get sober, but okay. he didn't want to, he wanted to do, like, martial arts, and I remember me, him, and Duff went up to, like, <laughs> dude, so, so what happened was, <laughs> he got karate he, shit together. <laughs> check this out. He was some Tybo. Tybo. I just remember Tybo. That's dope. He's trying. He's no, trying. check this I'm out. I'm laughing. I'm laughing like no, no, I know. No, it's no, it just sounds funny. Like so old school. Yeah, Billy Blanks was there. No. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the mountains with Billy Blanks. I love. I love that homeboy try. He's wanted to no, happen. So okay. because so when du when <laughs> when Duff got sober, he had gotten sober through like. Not like, you know, going to AA or something yeah. like that. He just like obsessively rode bikes and got into mountain biking. And that then he does. got really into martial arts and trained yeah. with like Benny the Jet and all these dudes. So because Scott had tried all of these more traditional ways yeah. of getting okay. sober and nothing stuck, he was like, you know, would you do Duff? And Duff's like, oh, I did this and blah, blah, blah. So Duff's like, all right, I'm going to call this dude Joseph, this fucking Sifu dude and if you're fucking into it good but if you're not don't bullshit me because yeah. if i call this dude right. it's gonna fucking yeah. this is serious dude big favor so this dude lived in the mountains in eastern washington okay and duff was like all right let's we had a meeting with the dude joseph and he's like he was fucking sick and he's in the documentary this okay. part the part of this was in it part of this was in it tonight and he's like all right, so me, Duff, and and Scott went to this state at this dude's house for like two weeks in the Damn. mountains. All we did was fucking train, like yoga, kickboxing, boxing. Sick. And it was, it was fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, like this guy had this way of pushing you to where you learn things about yourself. Like I remember training with him one on one, and he was just like, and I had already boxed, you know, yeah. with like, anyways, I boxed before, and so 
like I knew what I was doing, but I remember boxing with this dude and he kind of was like holding up the gloves and he kind of looked at me and he was like, how come you only give 80%? And I was like, what? Damn. And he's like, you only give 80%. When are you going to start giving 100%? I was like, oh. And I remember that. Wow. And then he and I started talking and dude, I, I remember at one point I'm like fucking crying. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's cause <laughs> when I was five, you know, it was like, it was really like it got, it like pulled all my covers, dude. And I remember yeah. I had, and even since then, you know, I'll think at times like, why aren't I giving a hundred percent? You know, why am I only, and so it, I, I got why, you know, Duff called that guy. Yeah. Awesome. And so, you know, there was different periods, but then he would stay sober and then he would go out and then he'd come back and then Scott he'd stay Scott, did you doing that stuff for two weeks? So he like, he was great. He was, awesome. and shit. Yeah, he was yeah, into yeah. it, dude. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, so, um, so to answer your question, I don't remember okay. if he was sober or not at right. the time when we started with the second record. Yeah. Second record. How but many records did the first one sell? Was it a couple million? Couple four million. million. Four, four million. million. Yeah. Four million dude. worldwide. That's fucking crazy, man. I know, dude. I, yeah, still so to this day, it just was think about like, Chris saying, so uh, I just married this guy. You're in this band. You're not getting paid. The rest of the guys live in mansions. Like, what's happening? All yeah. of a sudden, boom, you're on Billboard. So it's 4 million, four million yeah. copies. Yeah. And so what was it like? Was there pressure to do that sophomore album? Like, did you feel the pressure? For hits, for I, don't, writing or? I don't think any of us really felt. I didn't. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Because I'm just like, this is great. Yeah. 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 You know, but. And those guys come from a different. Yeah. Like, different pedigree. Yeah. I mean, they're like. All of them, you know. I'm sure Scott did, yeah. but I don't think anyone else really, at least not out loud. Okay. You know, so, if they yeah. did, it was very, and and to be honest, like the second record, because we were doing so well, yeah. and we yeah. were just like, and we had written 60 songs by for the first record wow. because we had 10 months worth of writing songs. That's right, yeah. And then even when Scott got in the band, we gave him all of them, and he picked out like eight and put vocals on them. Uh-huh. Dude, I swear to God, we gave him songs. The so he did set me free. Uh-huh. Excuse me. <laughs> the next three songs that he put vocals on, because he would do them on his own, right? right? Next three songs were Slither, Fall to Pieces, and Big Machine. And I remember being in Seattle with Duff, and we were going snowboarding, and we had this CD. I love this Duff guy, man. He's the best, dude. Awesome. He's the best. Amazing, He's man. Cool. So me and yeah, me and Duff went snowboarding, and we we're listening to this CD with those three songs. And this is these were demos before the record, yeah. and we're like, dude, this is gonna fucking, this is gonna yeah, slay, yeah, you know? Yeah, like this yeah. is something's like something's happening here. And I just remember like really feeling it at that moment, mm -hmm. you know, because we were driving in the mountains. There was yeah. no like distraction. We were like, fuck, dude, this is fucking rad. And great songwriting, man. It's, yeah, it's and so good. So we, so we had a lot of leftover songs, you know. By the second record, um, we wrote like forty more. Geez. We wrote like songs just constantly yeah. all the time. So we had forty more songs, and we were going to get Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin was going to do the second record originally, yeah. and I remember Rick would. So Rick has this thing. The best thing about Rick is he gives these inspirational talks. Yeah, man. Right? So you so we're with Rick. And I had known Rick because my ex-girlfriend was his assistant when I was in Wasted Youth 
And gotcha. Rick had come to see Wasted Youth at the country club. Oh, nice. Because he had done Slayer and he was into like metal. And, That's cool. He and he liked the band. And, yeah. And uh, he, and I was working at Tower and I would make those signs that I would make, you know, with foam core and shit. Yeah. Like I would make them for Rick, like at just to, because he had just started Deaf American, okay. across the street from Geffen, right up the street from Tower. My girlfriend was his assistant. I'd made like a dancing one, you know, with the fucking bullwinkle, oh, they call it, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, and some other s- signs. And and my buddy, um, my buddy Alan Forbes, who worked with me at Tower, uh, was I my old girlfriend Shelly. I'm like, oh, you should get, you know, they need art for the Black Crows, and I'm like, you should get Alan to do some shit. And so Alan ended up doing those crows. Like okay. he was the one that did all that art awesome. for Rick. And so I'd known Rick since then. And, and so Rick came, I remember we were at Matt's house and Rick gives these talks, you know, and he's like, listen, you know, you need to make, you remember, think back to when you were like 16 and in high school and first started playing in bands and like that fire you had and that, so, you know, when you just like, that's all you did was, you know, play and want to be in a band and want to do this thing and he's like you he goes this record is your legacy like this is going to live on for generations forever you know your kids your grandkids yeah anybody in the world will be able to listen to this record so you owe it to yourself to make the best record you've ever made focus on it practice concentrate write songs just make the best record you've because this is your stamp on history you know, it's like really, it's yeah. heavy, yeah. dude. Totally. I remember calling That's Trujillo. A lot of <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I called Robert. And Robert, they were doing Death Magnetic record, and they were doing oh, it at the yeah. same time. Like Rick was doing oh, both records. Right. Oh wow! And I called Robert, and I was like, "We're talking about it," you know. And he's like, "Oh, dude, did you get the speech?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I got the speech." He's like, and I remember Trujillo was like, "I'm practicing right now, bro." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "We both had the speech," but then what happened was Rick would come to rehearsal, and he would lay on the couch. And he would listen and we would Wearing play white linen. Yeah. No, yeah. he was just, I think back then it was still just white t-shirt okay. and linen pants. And he would go, okay, all right, go ahead, play something. And then we'd play him a bunch of shit. Cause we record, you know, like live when we were, and he would listen to anybody. Like, oh, I like that one. Keep working on that. And it's like, we constantly, but we constantly in his opinion, weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so eventually, uh, there was some kind of there was something about how much he was charging because we yeah, felt yeah. like we were a new band and he was charging us like the old band rate and it was like double in price. Mm-hmm. I think it was like he wanted like three hundred grand to do the record or something. And I remember uh I remember Scott flipped out and he was like, What? Three hundred grand, fuck that, blah blah and he I this is how it happened. He flipped out. He's like, I'm gonna fucking call Brendan O'Brien. I'll fucking get Brendan O'Brien here next week. Well, fuck Rick Rubin. You know, who's that? Yeah. Who's that? That's Brendan O'Brien is the guy who produced all the SCP records. He was used to be Rick's assistant and then he ended ah. up doing all of, I mean, since SDP, even after SCP, he ended up doing like two Bruce Springsteen records. Oh, wow. Okay. He's big. He's okay. done. He's done Incubus. He's done all kinds of so, so called him up. So Scott calls him and Brendan's like, yeah, I'll be there next week, you know? And so Brendan came down and we started doing the record with Brendan. Damn. And 
I will say that in hindsight, I think that Rick was right. You know, I think mm-hmm. that we weren't ready. And I wow. think that record isn't as good as the first one because right. there's some great stuff on there. But I remember feeling like a little bit like stuff was kind of Frankenstein together. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, why don't you take the verse from that yeah. thing? Take the chorus from that and mm-hmm. stick them together. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I think that's good. And just it just wasn't as good. Yeah, so, I, I felt that. Yeah. How, how was it received? Kind of like Derek's reaction just okay. now. Okay. <laughs> it was, okay. <laughs> it was meh. And what was it? Was I mean, it like, didn't help with the album cover either. I was just like, ooh, <laughs> oh boy. You guys what? didn't know anything about that? <laughs> I can look that up. I have to look that up. Yo. Okay, so okay. the album cover happened to be, I guess you guys realized. I mean, you can tell the story better than I can. Dude, because, I don't even know. Oh, okay. You tell. So it was controversial back then? Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how they would even know I'm going to look it up right now while we're talking. But Keep the thing going. is, was that I guess Slash, somebody got the idea from a necklace of a friend of theirs. It was from Chile. Okay. And on the necklace was a coin. And it was a coin that this dictator was using when he had a coup, a military coup in Chile. Is it this one? And it's Pinochet. I got it. And it was a coin that was used for like, this is the revolution of, you know, the, we the had coup no, d'etat. We had no idea. Right That's it. Okay. And they had, of course you would have no idea. And, and I didn't have any idea till this moment. Oh my God. Yeah. No I way. I swear to God. Really? Dude. Yeah, I never knew. So that symbol, Holy was shit. I knew I'd heard some stuff about it. Yeah. But keep going, dude. Oh, so that angel with the arm yeah, yeah. rising. And I remember it was from a coin. And I remember the seeing coin the coin. the date of the actual coup that happened. Oh. Military takeover. So Pinochet, in the eyes of a lot of people. Not I mean, so he, cool. He, he took over like a very popular socialist. Yeah. Um, Pinochet was put in by the CIA. So it Damn, was like, a, and so basically people were flipping like, what the fuck are you using that yeah. as your album cover? You know, dumb rockers. It was like, yo. And I think, the, dude, I it's found out in Brazil. It makes sense that I'm also the guy that said, that doesn't sound like a band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I don't even know that that was like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah man. And, so, wow. And Pinochet tortured a lot of people yeah. during his time, had people jailed, killed. Um, he was a completely put in by the CIA. You know, just because homeboy liked the necklace, they used it. It's kind of crazy. Not it, yeah, he had no idea. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did that record tank? Yeah. Like, didn't sell a million copies? Not a. No. Wow. I think we went like gold or something, maybe. Yeah. And some play like Canada. Or some yeah. Other places. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it didn't do great. So, what was the vibe of the band when that happened? Um, were people bummed? Did they have expectations? I think. I mean, obviously, you're you have expectations. Yeah. And people were bummed, but. That's really when Scott didn't Stone Temple Pilots get back together, together. like a reunion? Not no. yet. Oh, okay. So what happened was Scott I'm trying to think. Cuz that came out in 2007. Just, yeah, but we just toured for so long mm-hmm. that I you know like when bands are like we toured for 2 years I'm like what? Yeah, you did. And then, but I, you know, and then I realized like, oh, this is what it means. Cause you know, you'd go for six weeks and then you come home for two weeks and you go back and we toured forever and we didn't really have that long of a break. Um, when we did the other record, yeah, it's not, you know, we just maybe like a few months, but 
so I don't, it, it's hard for me to remember the timeline, but I do remember that we started touring and that's when things started getting like kind of fucked up because I remember we were doing that record and I remember Brendan being, because Brendan had had so much experience with Scott because he had done every SCP record. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to make him record vocals in the studio, you know, and he got all like kind of indignant and, and, uh, and Scott did some vocals there, but then Scott was like, nah, I'm going to do them over here. Cause he had his own studio. He would just do them on his own, ah. but also cause he was, you know, doing his thing. Yeah. You know, and in his own time too. Yeah. And then he started getting, you know, and then he kind of slipped back into more old behavior kind yeah. of shit. And then it kind of stayed that way for a lot of the second record cycle. Gotcha. So <clears throat> the, what happened in the end was that we, and then we were like, we had managers and then we left that manager cause we didn't like that manager. And then this, or the, then we, you know, the management became segregated and like, yeah, we wouldn't were, wouldn't each member have their own management from Guns N' Roses? Like Slash probably has this dude. No, it wasn't like dude. that. Okay. But it was like, it was like that for like lawyers and accountants yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. But for, we all had one, these two managers, but they had like a parent company uh, and we weren't into the parent company. So then we moved to Irving Azoff was okay. the parent company. And then these two were under him. But what happened was we wanted to leave one of the managers. And so the band went with a different management and then Scott stayed with the other manager. Gotcha. Cause we felt like she was a little, a little enabling, be- got you. I'm, yeah. So that it happened. got kind of sticky, you know. And then she would say like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this," you know. And then she wouldn't. And then Scott would be all upset, like, "How come I gotta pay for this?" You know. And it was a lot of like, yeah. It yeah, just yeah. started to slowly kind of come apart, and you know, we would argue and like, you know, about money. And he started kind of separating himself a lot from the band. Like he already had his own bus, you know, like we had two, two buses every tour. Damn, we had uh, the band bus and he had his bus. Wow. And then he was even, he would stay at like separate hotels sometimes and he had assistant and it was just, and it, be, it got to a point where the band would go to the venue uh, and we'd be late. It was, Dude, it was like a mini version of Guns N' Roses right. when, gotcha. they, when they broke up. It was like we would go to a venue, we would wait, we would have the tour manager calling the assistant saying like, where's Scott? Where is he? And the assistant would be like, oh, he's in the shower. you know. And it's like, well, he's getting dressed. And then we were yeah, like, and, and then it would be, you know, we were supposed to go on at 10. It'd be like 1040 and you'd hear booing. You'd be sitting oh, in the man. in the dressing room it gives me anxiety thinking about it dude it was gnarly and then he would show up late he would be all dressed with the sunglasses on Mm -hmm. not say anything to anyone because it was like all right let's go let's go you know it's like the the production guy would run up to him put his in-ears in tape the fucking thing on his back and we just go like go go get out there you know so it's like he never would at that point he would never apologize he would never, he would just like, it's like he would, like we weren't even there almost. Wow. But he killed it every night? No. Okay. He didn't. He okay. started like, he he just wasn't singing good. Okay. He 
Some nights he was great. Some nights he wasn't. Some nights, I remember once we were on tour with Allison Chains and he was like nodding off in the middle of, Damn. we played Patience mm-hmm. and we were all sitting down. Oh, wow. You know, and like we were all sitting down and he, I remember looking at the, there was like a Jumbotron thing and I remember looking up, dude, and just seeing him like totally nodding out oh, like in the middle of. Would he kill those songs though usually? He was great, dude. Yeah, I mean, you, you he's man. old. He was, no. f- I listened to the old Bell Revolver record a couple weeks ago, dude, because I, I hadn't listened to him forever. Right, right. And I was like, oh, his vocals are so They're good, so dude. Good. His harmonies, so, yeah, like harmonies everything. Are, he's, he's super talented, man. Like a true, like, he I was mean, so good. Yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. Damn. Yeah, he was just like, you know, like he would complain about, um, the the sound guys would complain because he wasn't like pushing enough air. Yeah, because he had asthma and he would smoke. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. At a certain point, he just wasn't pushing enough air, so they would have to turn the microphone up really loud. And we were, some of us were on in ears, so there'd be a lot of noise in the in our ears because yeah. we'd have vocals in there, and we'd complain. And then it was just like, and then he just started getting like kind of nuts. Like oh, it was sad. Like. There was, Spir- <laughs> there was this spiraling, one show, right? dude. There was this one show, and it's funny now, but he was like, I remember, so Matt, you know, was playing drums, and he had this drum tech, this guy, and the guy was sitting next to him. And because Matt was on in-ears, Matt would lean over and tell the drum tech, like, hey, dude, tell him I need more snare. And he was playing. And he would lean over to the guy, you know, and tell him, like, you know, something in his yeah. ear. And the drum tech would talk in a microphone that he had that went to the monitor guy right. yeah and he course. was like hey matt needs more drums in his river and scott was so kind of fucked up at the time that he was facing the drums and he saw the kid talking into a microphone and he thought that the kid was singing along with him to make him sound bad wow. to the audience and he thought that that kid was mocking him and that everyone in the audience was hearing it. Oh my God, dude. And oh he, I remember man. he, in the middle of the set, dude, he, it, during Let's, a song, he was like over at the drum riser pointing to the kid, like mouthing, like, Get it, what fucking you do? What are you doing? Blah, blah. And oh. Matt's playing. <laughs> And Matt's like waving his stick at Wyland, like, get out there, go fucking turn around, like yeah. go sing. And and so Matt and Wyland and the and the kid are all like kind of fighting. And the kid was new. Oh and so God, he's just dude. like, uh I'm just, you know, he can't explain himself, dude, because we're in the middle of a song. Holy and shit. <clears throat> we went off off stage, or Scott left. We were still supposed to play like two more songs. Scott leaves. We all go to the side of the stage. And him and Matt get in a fist fight because they start arguing. Oh, and they start what? like they're just they one of them tries to punch the other, and then we we're like standing there, like breaking it up, and the tour manager's there, and he's like, whoa, whoa. And then Scott goes back out on stage. I remember we were in in Glasgow, and he's or maybe it was Dublin. And he goes, You've witnessed wait, oh. You've witnessed history. Like this is the last show of Velvet Revolver. Oh man! And he basically said that, like on stage. And that tour in Europe was when the band ended. And that that, but that was like one of the last. Damn! Wow, man! Yeah, it was like 
this is bad. Yeah. And that, and then, then it just got, you know, and then the four of us were on one bus and we would talk about it and we're like, dude, what right. are we going to do? You know, like we got to, oh, and then we had heard that the other manager was also talking to STP about them reuniting. There we go. Okay. So then we were like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. And then mm. he was like, well, it's cool. Cause then we confronted him and he was like, Oh, it's cool. We'll be in like, I'll be in like two bands. You know, it's like Maynard in, tool and perfect circle and we were like no dude you can barely show up for this band <laughs> right, right. how are you gonna show up for two and yeah so wow, then wow man and then we we fired him we fired him uh in amsterdam that's it that was it mm-hmm. and then we looked for another singer for a year anybody anybody we went know tried out there was this guy uh he sings in this band, Big Wreck. Okay. From Canada. He's really good. Ian Thornley. Uh, we tried out Royston from Space Hog. Wow. He was rad. Space Hog, yeah. I remember them too. <clears throat> I love that band. Yeah. And then um, we were talking to Lenny Kravitz at one point. Wow. But I don't think we, it, it was weird because there was. There was some talk, but we never like met with them. Yeah, but then yeah, yeah. he was like, "I don't know." It was kind of sick. Yeah, kinda I, sick. I, I didn't even thought about that. Um, and then at one point we hired Frankie Perez, this dude who's a friend of mine from Vegas. We we had heard him. We gave him demos. Mm-hmm. You know, we give everyone demos. Yeah, yeah, we gave him demos. We heard him sing. We we're like, dude, this guy's fucking. The, the demos shit. would they be new songs or new songs? Okay. Wow. Cool. So we'd recorded new songs. We had five like blank songs, yeah. and we would send them out, and people would put vocals, which is what we did for the first, you know, when we got Scott. That's right. pretty cool. And and he put vocals on like five songs, and they were killer. And we we're like, oh, this is some unknown guy from Vegas. Yeah. And we were like, all right, this maybe this is the guy. Uh-huh. We brought him to L.A. He tried out. He sang the old stuff and the new stuff like perfect. Wow. We were like, he's cool. We're like, you're the guy. You're in the band. So he moves down to LA and then we started making more demos and stuff. And then it, the, it, it progressively got like not as good. You know what I mean? Like the lyrics yeah, were yeah. a little corny, a little bit. Yeah. You know, oh, or, man. but then there was this one time where he worked with Matt and Matt's really like, at the time was very like perfectionist about his studio and his, yeah, yeah. and he just kind of wore Frankie down and Frankie was like new and he wanted the gig and he couldn't really talk back to him, you know? And yeah, he, I remember like he said something to him kind of like my Danzig comment that rubbed right. Matt the wrong way. And Matt's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of, and at the same time slash was doing his solo record, yeah, but he was kind of, cryptic about it and he wasn't really telling anyone and so it was it just didn't work out and you know frankie and i went on to do a bunch of shit after that but it just didn't happen and then frankie was out of the band and then we did a bunch of songs with Corey taylor from slipknot and that didn't work out but we have like there's like nine songs with Corey. really yeah that's interesting yeah they're pretty good so they would never come out I, I, you know, when the NFT thing first started, yeah. I was like, dude, we should put out a fucking NFT. Yeah. And we talked about it. And I think GNR was doing some stuff. So they were like, well, we can't do it right now. And, and it, in there was so much NFTs were such like a buzz thing at the yeah, time, you yeah. know, like a year and a half ago or whatever. Totally. 
So some of the managers, some of the cooler heads were like, well, let's just wait and let's see. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Someday it may come out. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. And then did you get start doing soundtracks after that? Like the Sons of Anarchy thing. I'm so. So right after that, I. Yeah, I had my first kid a month after we fired Wylan. Wow. Um, Mike. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, my son was super colicky. You had money, it, your money saved up. You're smart. I like, saved all my money. Okay, great. Like, great. Because I was afraid, like, yeah. this yeah, thing like, could end tomorrow. Been through it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saved all my money, and, you know, I didn't piss away any of it. Yeah, you're really. smart. Yeah, yeah. And so I had money, and uh, we were looking for singer, and then. My kid was born. He was super colicky, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's the means just like basically irritable and crying all the time. Yeah. And you're not really sure why. So I was like, what am I, you know, what am I going to do? Like either I play in another band and I'm like a side guy and the only time I'll make money is when I'm gone. And if I leave my wife with this kid, she'll go nuts. Yeah. And, you know, or I got to try and figure something else out. Like maybe I'll be a producer or a composer or something yeah. like that. <clears throat> so I had a couple friends and I just asked them like, and they were band guys that made the transition one to producer, Josh Abraham, who produced our first record. Yeah. And one was my buddy, John, who was a composer. And I just asked them like, what'd you do? And the one thing that they both said was you just got to commit. You got to, if you want to do this other thing, you have to, stop having one foot in one thing and one foot in the other. And I was like, all right, cool. And then around the same time I was at Johnny Rockets with my friend Bob and Scott from Weezer and Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band. And we would all hang out and we all went to Johnny Rockets and we were eating and bullshitting. And Bob was like, dude, I just got this composer job for this show called Sons of Anarchy. And we're oh, like, shit. and we were like rolling our eyes like Sons of Anarchy. That sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It sounded so bad. Yeah. It does and bad, and we were like, and he's like, no, I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be like the Sopranos meets the Hells Angels. Like, yeah. And, and he was like, you know, do you have any ideas? If you guys have any ideas for music, because he was also the music supervisor as well as a composer. So I'm like, oh, you should get like Monster Magnet and Clutch and Crowbar. And like yeah. I started throwing out all these bands totally. that I thought would be cool. And he was like, well, if you want to write something, you know, you should come by because he had a studio in his, in his apartment. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it, another thing that was, you know, for me that was really a big deal was I typically say no out of fear. Yeah. You know, like if someone says, Hey, you want to write a song? I'm like, Nope. <laughs> you know, cause, <laughs> cause I'm, cause I'm afraid like, Oh, yeah, they're yeah. going to find me out. You know, they're going to find out I'm not as good as, you know, they think I am. I'm mm -hmm. going to, they're going to find out I'm a fraud or all these things <laughs> that your head tells you, you know? And I had learned to take contrary action and say yes. Awesome. And that was a big turning point for me because I said yes, even though I was afraid and yeah. I just said yes, and I showed up, and I had written that riff from Sons, yeah. uh, the theme song, and I brought it over, and I'm like, dude, I have this riff, you know, and, and it was that, and he was like, oh, that's cool, and then we wrote the whole song that day. like, Wow. Because it's not even a song, you know, it's a 30-second song. Yeah. And we wrote it, and we wrote the vocals together, and he sang on the demo, and we wrote everything, and and... Dude, that whole thing was just like Bell Revolver. Like we wrote that song, 
Kurt Sutter, who created the show, loved the song. Then we we couldn't find a singer for it. I asked the guy from Fuel. I asked, Fuel. you know, there's a demo with him on there. I asked Royston from Space Hog to sing on it. I asked Shooter Jennings to sing on it. And all these people, and they didn't like anyone. And finally, we got this guy, Kurt Curtis, who sang on it, who's great. And everyone loved it, except Fox was like, let's, hold on. Let's try and get, you know, they... All they wanted was someone else. They're like, it was almost like, well, we have this song, but let's try and get a bigger name. And it was funny because Bob would get these emails and he would send them to me. And the people at FX were like, can you get Slash and Lemmy to do a song? Maybe they weren't asking me. They were asking Bob. And then Bob would send me this email and they're like, what if we got the reunited STP to do the theme song? Like all these people. And we were just waiting to for months. We didn't, we didn't know. We had it until the week of the premiere. They had a premiere of the first episode at Paramount and we all went to the screening and we're sitting in this theater and we saw the opening credits with our song on it. And that's when we knew like, that's that's amazing. That's when we knew we were in the band, (laughs) you know, like before, dude, it was like, we were waiting forever. And then (laughs) it was the same story. Like then we got nominated for an Emmy and you know, I was like, I called my agent at CAA and I was like, I think I'm going to to be a composer. I just got nominated for an Emmy. I want to, how can I get more jobs? And then it's fucking awesome, dude. And that was it, dude. And then that guy, Bob, uh, was a music supervisor on this, uh, ABC show called Detroit 187, this cop show. And he's like, me and my buddies like, you know, do you guys want to do the music or try and get the job? And so we got the job doing that. And then wow. that was where I learned like to score, yeah, you know, right, like right. actually do underscore instead yeah. of just, like a theme song. Were you in Couples Retreat and Four Christmases? Well, I did because, so I shared a studio with my buddy, John. Yeah. And he was, we had all known Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley and those were all Vince's, there was like a whole crew of people, okay. you know, like, because we met him right before Swingers came out. He Ooh. had just moved here from Chicago. We had mutual friends, this guy, Sean Rosigliano, and we all kind of hung out together. So by that time, uh, John was doing a lot of music for his stuff, for Vince's movies and stuff that he was producing. And because I was in the studio next door, I would go and like play on shit, you know, like, but I didn't, you know, I didn't fully like work on those movies, work on them. I would just like play shit on them, you know, go into the next room. Still get your name out there though. It's awesome. Wow. Were you ever into theme songs, like TV theme songs and stuff like that? Was I into him? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, dude. Yeah. I grew up during the era yeah, of fucking Sanford and Son and yeah, <laughs> Quincy Jones <laughs> doing. I mean, I remember like God, there were so many good theme songs to TV oh, shows. Oh, dude, back then. we listen to them sometimes. The, I remember with you, like, and I can name them all. The man. Brady Taxi? Bunch, like, the really like Brady Bunch. rare ones. It's just like, yo, what is? Oh, I know it. I know it. Yeah, yeah every strokes. Woo, some great ones. Man. Cheers. Give me a break. You know, like, they were yeah, so important too. Give me a break. You can like. You could remember all of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, you know? they were brilliant. I was like, man. Yeah. Three's Company. Yeah. Oh, come wow. and knock on my door. And, and that was the thing that I loved. When I did that first theme song, I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to figure out like what to add in the second verse that's yeah, different from the first verse. Right. And do I do a double chorus? And now I got to do a bridge. And now I got to do a double chorus out. And I got to add some new shit. And, you know, it was just like 30 seconds. Yep. Just all the goods. 
in 30 seconds. It's you know? instrumental even. It's even yeah. easier. So, so, yeah, you still doing that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's awesome. Yeah, and then I ended up doing it with, uh, well, because, you know, because I had known Peter and Vince and those guys, and they started a production company, and that's how I ended up doing, um, uh, what was it called? Sullivan and Son. Okay. which was like cheers 2.0 basically yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was um yeah i did that with my buddy vince and you know they were like we want like at first they wanted something like dropkick murphy they're like we want like irish rock right. you yeah. know like the pogues and i was like oh it's killer yeah and then i did some stuff like that and they're like uh I think then they got notes back that like we didn't want it to sound too specific mm. because it is about a bar and yeah. there's like the theme is like there's a Asian half Asian half Italian couple that runs this bar and their son is you know a mixed race and there's all different characters in the bar and we don't want it to feel exclusive. Right. We want it to feel like yeah. it's everybody's bar. So then we rewrote the theme song and in Still had like a folky kind of vibe, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, like Irish specific. Right. Where so. everybody knows your name. <laughs> yeah. Man, that shit's so good. But it was fun, man. And yeah. I was like, what if we wrote it like we should just sing some melody, but you want it to feel like, oh, I know that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we, I just came up with this melody that was like, na, 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 na. <laughs> and, and then, we like it's me and my buddy Vince and we like quadruple tracked ourselves and we just tried to sound like a bunch of I wanted to sound like a bunch of drunk people in okay. a bar gotcha. singing along with this thing and I should know that song. Awesome. You know, so we're like <laughs> and it's all like quadruple jack, but I was did all these different voices like I was a drunk, you know, chick awesome. or a drunk, you know, fat guy or whatever. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, and then fun. what about music now? Have you any music you're working on? Well, I, and then I, so through the last thing is like, um, I want to say like four years ago, I met this dad at school who worked for the NFL network, this guy, Bill McCullough. And I ended up doing a theme song for Thursday night football with him. Oh shit. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. And then he was like, I know this guy, Jose, and he, he, they used to do, uh, all the 24 seven sports stuff and, and hbo boxing okay yeah and he's like i use this composer all the time his name's jose he lives in the valley he's fucking he's really cool you should meet him we had there was a barbecue jose and i met we got along he was doing this uh documentary for amazon called the last narc which is the true story about kiki camarena the dea agent that got kidnapped it's it's narcos mexico no i saw the uh, trailer did you see narcos mexico yes Yes. it's that it's that real story. It's okay. a docu oh, a docu series about what really happened. Kiki Camarena, okay. Michael Pena's character, yeah. like that that whole thing. And so it's stuff. with what's gnarly about it is there's these. I won't go into it, but it's it's gnarly because it's like there's guys there that kind of got turned into bad guys that were good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They were cops in Colombia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got no, they out. were like good guys like you know if you were like i want to be a cop and you're a cop and then all of a sudden your boss is like go deliver this thing to this guy yeah yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden you've delivered drugs unknowingly and you're on the the other team now gotcha and you can't ever do anything different because you've seen the guys you've made connections yeah and now those guys are like 
now you're on our side. Yeah. And you're like, well, or, you're or you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Or you're dead or your family's dead. <laughs> okay. And so there was those guys were interviewed in this thing. Like guys that were in the room when he was being tortured. Oh, wow. One guy that was involved in the kidnapping, you know, like it's, and they're like regretful. They're not, you know, they're, and they're telling these stories. It's gnarly. Oh, dude. wow. It's so gnarly. And that's out now? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm down to watch that for sure. So Jose and I worked on that and we started this company called Monkey Mind Music Group and we just started composing together. And mm -hmm. then when I ended up doing a, F is for Family, which is Bill Burr's uh, show on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, because they were because of um, that Peter B and Vince Vaughn. It's their company that produced it. It's awesome, man. So I did that for five years. Bill and I became friends, and then so Monkey Mind does. You know, we've just done a bunch of TV. We did uh, some stuff for Gordon Ramsay's Uncharted, and we so did this. You write these songs, like say NFL and stuff. Do they buy the song from you? Good question. Like, is it like one time? Like, yeah, yeah. It is, or that, or are you getting residuals? It's all. It's playing. Played. Typically, when you do things for TV and film, it's what they call a work for hire, mm -hmm. which means yeah, they own the publishing. Right. They own the publishing. They own the publishing. Typically, it's different if you write a song. Like, if you're writing a song for a scene, yeah, they might not own the publishing. Right. If they're licensing it. Right. But if they're if you're scoring a movie, right. they own the publishing because they need to be able to control that asset. They gotcha. you know, you can't say if they want to use your music for something else yeah. or a commercial or something, you know, a Trump commercial and let's say you're not into Trump and right. you're like, "Wait, I don't want my song." If you don't have the power to say right. anything cuz you're wow. not a publisher. But you get all the writer share. So okay. every time, you know, like for like I still get checks for you know sons of anarchy I'm sure writer right. share because i i they own the publishing but i got a percentage of the writers okay and so you get That's writer cool. share so you get all, all the back end mm -hmm. once in a while like when we did gordon ramsay's uncharted we did the theme song and we took a lower fee but we kept all the publishing on the theme song Great. so oh, cool. you can you know there's different ways to slice it i see but typically you're it's a work for hire yeah like, there you go yeah <laughs> That's such a cool world to be in too, from just like songwriting with a band and then yeah. kind of writing your own song and having control. I was gonna ask if you five could members. help help us write a, a ballot. We were, a guitarist and I have been dreaming of one of yeah, dude. We, <laughs> want, we want one ballot in our career. Yes. One. Because yeah. I know he's got a really good singing voice besides right. what he does in Sepultura. That's singing as well, but his voice is so deep, which I think you should be getting to voiceover. We talk about all the time. He's trying yeah. to do that. Is it also like a more like crony? 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 Yeah, like a cr crooner. Yeah, crooner. crooner. Yeah, yeah. Crony. Crony. <laughs> a crony. <laughs> I want to like his voice, like more yeah. singy. Like a, so Sepultura will be down to have a ballot? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it, we dude. Wow. Let's do it. I'm going to say yes. Yes, <laughs> you've heard it here. Yes. Well, I think, I, I think, dude, why don't you do what you don't do voiceovers? He's I'm trying to get into that world, man. Yeah, I'm gonna work on my reel. My oh, yeah, working yeah. on it now. Yeah, yeah. So he's got such a cool voice. I for still it, need too. to take some a few lessons. I'm trying you know, to think to, how I could help you already. Once That's I get that I'm reel, saying, it's gonna be yeah much more uh, you know accessible for people. Like, what is it? So I can just well, what happened, over. dude? Such was so thank you. Also, besides Monkey Mind. And there's like a website if you just Google right. Monkey Mind Music Group. But also, because I became friends with Bill Burr, we actually, I had this idea for a TV show, an animated show, and we wrote a script together. So 
and another moment, you know, where it's like we wrote this script over the pandemic and it's like, so I literally have this script that says written by Bill Burr and Dave Kushner. And I was Sick. like, wow. and I, and I had to like Amazing. print it out. It's so funny. Like, you know, like I had a PDF, I had it on my computer and I'm like, I'm going to print this out. And I just keep it on my desk, like in my studio, yeah. you know, just so I can like look at it and be like, oh, this is fucking cool. It's amazing, dude. So we're still, he's doing a movie right now and then we're going to start pitching it again to, you know, and if we do that, dude, oh yeah, God. dude. I, I've been, that's, we talk about this all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's a perfect animated, voice. I want to do, yeah. you know, car, you know it's have a character. Sick. Yeah, you know, fuck yeah. But it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, well, this has been awesome, your story. Um, yeah. A couple of questions. Um, yes. You seem like a positive person. You consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? Oh, definitely. A, uh, wait, what was the question? Optimist or pessimist. <laughs> like, like a positive wait. person. No, because you said positive and pessimist. I, I was going to say positive. But I'm very positive. Yeah. The, my like glass that. is always half full. Yeah, you seem always, like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like Feldy, dude. I listen to your thing with Feldy. Yeah. And it's like we are kind of like-minded in that way. You know, I don't say, I love my life, like no, all the time. But I have said it, you know, and I know that. Oh, he says it every day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I look for, I do, like I meditate, you know, and at the beginning, someone told me once, like, you know, think of five things you're grateful for at the beginning of your meditation every day you know and i i don't do it every day but every time i meditate which is you know four three four days a week you know i i i think of five things that i'm grateful for and then you know try and look for Mm -hmm. you know my whatever you believe in god higher power whatever it is you try and look for how that is connected to what you're grateful for yeah because a lot of it's like i remember someone said all the best uh, all the best things in my life have happened by coincidence. Mm-hmm. And if you look at coincidence being, you know, God's way of remaining anonymous, you know, someone said to me once and all these little sayings that I believe that, you know, there is something up there looking out for me. And, and when I'm for sure, if I look at my life and I look at like how I met Duff and how I ended up in Velvet Revolver and all, how I met my wife, yeah. how I ended up, you know, being a composer, like, I didn't manipulate any of those things. I didn't try and be like, oh, if I do this and I do that yeah, and then I do that, then this is going to happen. You know, it just, it happened, you yeah. know? And, you know, I didn't just sit in my room. I like took action. But Yeah, you worked right. for it. Yeah, you believed in yourself I didn't too. control the outcome. And, Stepped and, outside the box. Yeah. Yeah, and took chances. So I believe that, you know, so I definitely, you know, am always looking to, you know, I have my days, but in general, I'm, um, my life is fucking awesome. Dude. Yeah. You know, and, and all of it, you know, being here, it's like, this is cool. This is my life. Like I get to just fucking bullshit with you guys Talk for, life. <laughs> you know, and I met you yeah. through my wife and then, it's you know, nice. we've hung out and done some yeah. things and ate some good food and, yeah. you know, I get free water and I get, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that stuff I appreciate, you know, it doesn't go like, like every time I go out to the refrigerator, I'm like telling my son, like, don't drink all my waters or I get all pissed. <laughs> Dude, the best, the worst is when I find like, you know, like when you used to go to parties, like I, when I was drinking, I was the guy that would like check around for the half drink oh, beers and like drink, yeah. you know, Damn. and once in a while you get a cigarette, so you're yeah, you're just like, ah, but dude, when I go in my house and I have two kids and they're both teenagers and I found, and I find a liquid death that's half drunk, just sitting on the counter, too. I'm like, 
I go, yeah, I'm like, when? Don't drink the water. If you're going to, if you're not going to drink it, I'll put it back in the refrigerator. Don't tell, you know, but still, dude, I'm like, drives me crazy on our bus now. Yeah. yeah. Just in general, Finny, but I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Yeah. Max had six friends here last night going through oh, like a bunch of, I gave him some gear I had, but then there's all these waters around the house and I'm saving them <laughs> or I'm giving it to my dog. Like, I, I can't, it makes me crazy. Dude. dude, that happened with my son. Same thing, dude. He had this, he had some people over. There was like six kids and pizza. And I look, because all the liquid death stuff's in the outside refrigerator. And I look at this, like we have this outdoor bar thing. And I look and I just see all these cans all over the counter. And I'm like, makes you crazy. Dude, dude. I knew. I knew as soon as I check them, most of them are full. And like, then what do you do with it? It's like, I don't know. I it's know, like, know. Ah, that this is... fucking kills me, dude. Do you have any uh, major regrets in your life? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, you seem like a person that does. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. I regret, you know. Sometimes I regret not, I think lately in the last few years, I regret not doing stuff sooner, you mm. know, like, like I joined a softball team, you know, like I met this dude, Mike Bertolino, who runs uh, Bill's company, all things comedy. Yeah. And we went to Vegas and we went uh, to like a Raiders game and we, it was great. Me, yeah. him and Bill, like they had this great birthday. It was my birthday. Nice. We went, we went to Roy Choi's restaurant and, in, in uh, at the this restaurant called Best Friend, it was like a the best weekend ever. Yeah, and Mike had talked about playing softball, and I was like, dude, I want to play softball. Yeah, you know, because I used to play sports a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, and uh, so I joined joined a softball team, That's and so my only regret is like not doing it sooner. Yeah, right. I got an electric bike, you know, and I I ride it. And I was what like, kind of bike you got? What, what brand do you know? A Venton. Yeah, you heard I've that heard, one? Yeah, I've heard. He's an electric bike guy too. Yeah, he loves. Yeah, it. yeah, I ride every day. It's as much as possible. That's, that's the main that's thing killer. he gets around yeah. in, yeah. I got it too because I didn't have a car. My <laughs> lease was up and yeah. I sold my car. Right. And this was just like in January or something. And we live on a hill. Yes. So it's like, kind of a hill. it's a, I want to ride my bike, but I don't want to ride up the hill. Yep. <laughs> so I got a exactly. so I got an electric got bike. A big ass hill too, yeah. Yeah, but I still have to pedal. You yeah, know, yeah, I still yeah, have to yeah, work yeah, at it because the because <laughs> the motor's only I think it's only two hundred fifty watts or something. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, I'm small a little bit one. heavier than you. So a little bit. <laughs> We're kind of the same size. So it's a good workout. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, you, do you have any like major inspirations in your life, whether it be a musician or author or any, act anything? Anybody that really helped inspire your life? Dude, I tell you, it's been lately is John Madden, okay, the coach for the you know the Raiders. Oh wow! Because when I was growing up, I was a huge Raiders fan, and like that was my team. Like I can name every person on the '76 Raiders. That's amazing, you know, like man. Ken Stabler, Fred Belitnikoff, Dave Casper, Otis Sistrunk, like Ray Guy, all so everyone. Lyle Alzado. Yeah. Damn. Wow. He was on the yeah he was on the Raiders before he went to the Broncos, yeah. but you know John Matuzak like I just <laughs> I know like, he knows them all dude and and uh, Mark Van Egan and so <laughs> just finish that in the rest Let's but go. dude I I watched this this um it's funny like the the way I live my life a lot of times I imagine like. If I like when I when I yell at my kid or something, you know, and I do something I regret in hindsight. And then I I think of things like if I was watching a movie and I was in it, 
you know, my behavior, I'd be like, that guy's a fucking asshole, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's kind of how, that's like my moral compass. Gotcha. Or, you know, when I do something good, I'd be like, oh, that guy's pretty, he's a good guy, you know? Yeah. And so when I, I watched this uh, thing on, on um, um, God, what's his name? John Madden. Yeah. It's this great uh, ESPN doc on Madden and just the way he was and he was so positive and yeah. everyone loved him and everyone wanted to be around him. And it's like sometimes I think about that or, you know, like my grandfather, like, you know, what would what would Madden do? You know, like because yeah. I deal with my kids and they're teenagers and my son, you know, you have a son. It's totally. like you butt heads and stuff. And for sure. And sometimes when I'm pissed, like lately, I've been thinking like, oh, what would Madden do? And Madden like <laughs> just seems like he doesn't focus on, you know, why are you acting like that? You need to stop acting like that. You need to do this. You need to blah, blah, blah. He just like stay positive and just be like, you know what? You want to be an asshole? I want to be positive, you know, instead totally. of reacting and like that book, the four agreements, like, mm-hmm. you know, don't take everything personal. Don't, you know, and I do, you know, so I have yeah. to like combat it with being conscious of with meditation, and all the other shit I do, you know, to try and yeah. not take it. Cause I will, I'll take everything personal. Well, if they submit yeah. something, you don't get picked for it. No, it's more like everything. my kids, you know, yeah. my kid acts a certain way to me. I take it personal and I, I'm like, Oh really? Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then I get all, well, what are you doing? And I start yelling or whatever. And it's like, Oh, he's just being like that. Cause he's just being like that yeah. right now. And he'll be different later. And totally, he's, you know, and, right. and not to just, and to just be able to like go, okay, well, that's cool. What would Madden do? You know, I love that. he'd just be like, Oh, right. you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's your dude. He's, he's your go to man. He is like, I think about him a lot, you that's know, awesome. like, and he, and right after that special aired, he died. Oh, like, wow. So, and it was, but it's really good. I've seen it like three times. I need I just, to check that out and on. check out the also Velvet Revolver doc too. Where yeah. is that doc at? The Velvet Revolver one? Yeah. I think you got to go on YouTube, but okay. it was a VH1 thing. It's okay. called The Rise of Velvet Revolver. I'm you so down Google to watch it. that tonight. <laughs> yeah. I learned so much, Sam. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. And it's awesome. We've been talking about doing this for a little while now, and I'm really happy it happened. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Derek could be here too. Yeah, that was killer. Me too. You could hear so Derek's cool. voice. So and Dude, I got a new job writing a Sepultura song. Yeah. A new ballad, man. Ballads. That's fucking awesome. That, that's definitely going to happen for sure. Since you are a fan, that's yeah. awesome. I love that. He's been man. talking about a ballad forever, too, man. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. What, but like with leads and shit, too? Or just like of a. Of course. Yeah. Like a, yeah. like a mid temp. I don't know, like how the beat would be. Like I don't how, know, man. It's... I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll premiere it on the on this on this podcast. Yeah, dude. Time. Can you imagine? That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> you, thank you Probably so much for being here. talk to some other members of the band as well. Yeah. <laughs> what? You're. you're <laughs> That's like me, dude. That's like me. Especially the band no that you want to do a ballad. This is no, no. I mean, I I mean, Andreas would definitely agree. Like, we need to have one. Dude, that's like man for the job. That's like me every time. I'm like, I did it today. Someone wanted to make a plan. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, let me let me talk to my wife. (laughs) I do the same shit. Oh yeah, of course. When you're married, it's like, I was gonna go get an oil change for her car, and then I'm like. I'm making an appointment. I'm on the phone this morning after taking my kids and I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. I better talk to her. She might have a plan or something. Yeah. So true, Smart. dude. Smart. Boss lady. Always run it by my wife. Everything, dude. Always, dude. It's your partner. Yeah, you got to run it by him. 
very lucky. You'd want the same. You'd want the exact same. No, I know. know? How long have you been married for now? Uh, We've been together 20 years. Wow. Wow. Almost almost like 18 and a half. We'll be 19 in December. You guys have a great energy. Chemistry is awesome, dude. Yeah, it's pretty. And you, Toby? It's pretty cool. Uh, Married 26 years next week. Really? Wow, dude. Very, I'm very lucky, Congrats man. Guys. God, I'm so lucky, man. You guys are extremely Especially lucky. doing what we do and play music and travel yeah. and be big kids and not grown-ups and yeah. go play music with our friends. and Yeah, we're really lucky, man. Kids yeah. and all that stuff. Holding the shit down, man. Yeah. Fuck. It's pretty cool. All right, guys. Awesome. All thanks right. for being here. Yeah, thanks that for having amazing. me. amazing. Two hours and 24 minutes. Oh, shit. No, it was great. No, it was fucking great. What time is it? Like midnight? You're a great talker. <laughs> <laughs> I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other, and that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swipe the credit card, don't really tell me much, didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient and it's painful. They ice you up, it's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly gonna get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH2O and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH2O and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests. Taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby. You get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. 
You know H2O saves lives.